the hell? How are you off doing? Me? Get off me! How you doing? I'm fine. Get off me! What the hell are you doing? I'm recording a podcast with you. Why? Start Seattle Studio setup. It's gonna be on a Shure SM57 microphone. I was just speaking. Speaking off air. We'll take him on a panel with Kyle and Ryan. One man splained. She barely even said anything. Oh, not this time she didn't. What's your name? Kristen. Kristen. How many times have you uh, tried to dismantle the skatriarchy? One time before. One time? I don't think so. Yeah, it was one time before this. No, it wasn't one time before this. What about the time you explained how reverse sexism doesn't exist? Oh yeah, two times. Sorry. Two times, yeah. What happened last time we went live? I let you talk over me. You let me rant, didn't you? Yes, sir. So how much space do you think I should be giving you now? A bunch. That's a fact. Now am I gonna have to perpetuate toxic masculinity in skateboarding, or are you gonna speak? I'll remember to speak, sir. Well, that's good. Speak up. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Vent City, a uh, place to talk about skateboarding and all its bullshit. Uh, back on the pod, we've got the full cast. Kyle Beachy, Kristen Ebling, Ted Barrow, Ted Schmitz. Uh, pretty stoked to announce that we launched our Patreon account, and we're going to try and do this thing for real. And so uh, our goal with Vent City is that we're trying to do this thing listener-supported. Uh, we don't want to take uh, ad money. Um, we want to remain as critical as possible of- I want your fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only time we're gonna talk about it. Yeah. And we, we won't try to solicit you so much, but uh, if you like the show and you appreciate what we're doing, go to patreon.com slash ventcity, or you can find it in the bio on our Instagram and click become a patron. It's a super easy process. Um, we have two levels right now. One is uh, $5. And the second is our ProFlow level, which is for $20. And so fuck, this is like confusing. I should have written this down. Okay, I'm gonna- Give me your fucking wallet now! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, the drops. I, lo- I like the, the, dro- the, the drops are happening. Yeah, it's need- it's an easy principle. Yeah. All your pockets now. All your fucking pockets now. Uh, and that's uh that's what we bought with your Patreon money so far. <laughs> we just got so hot 97. I'm into it. Yeah. All right, all right. This is how it works. Okay, so go visit patreon.com/ventcity. Um it's really easy or you can find us uh find it on the bio on our Instagram. Uh you could click become a patron. Uh, and for $5 a month, you can sign up for our rep flow tier level, uh, which will basically get you for now, just some stickers, but in the future we'll get you access to premium content. Um, if we can grow this thing enough, uh, we'll probably switch over to doing once a week episodes and those episodes will be premium content that only the Patreon subscribers will get access to. And then in addition to that, we have a $20 pro flow level for anyone out there who really wants to support the show and uh, has a little extra money to spend. So for the $20 ProFlow level, we're gonna be doing shout outs on the show, um, but we decided for this very special first episode, um, we're gonna announce all of- Yeah, we are, yeah we are. Are we ready? Roll call. 
Are we ready? All yeah. right. Uh, so we're, we're doing a roll call. Here we go. For the $5 level right now, we have Jim Thebo. I apologize to anyone whose name I butcher uh, in what follows. Jim Thebo, Brett Nakamoto, Damian Dote, Andrew Guardhouse, <laughs> Jason Salilis, Benjamin Bustamante, Ilana, John Eskevel, Brad Lay, probably Ooh, probably some relation. Derek Hauser, <laughs> Derek Hauser, Dylan, Casey Daisy, Cameron Jimmo, David Marks, Tim Zimmerman, David what? Smith. Shout out Ghetto D. Zach, Zach Duhamel, Adrian Murtoglu, Stephen Horrocks, and Corey Fitzgerald. Those are our rep flow $5 donators at the $20 level we have the following Evan Cunningham Terrence Stillen Rooney Luke Whitford (laughs) Sean Trani Damian Stewart (laughs) Josh Luff and uh, my personal wife Kristen thank you thank you honey for that that's uh, a really indirect way to oh, give, give me money but I'm into it I was gonna say I like the idea of Ryan going up to his dad once a month and being like dude can I get a latte like <laughs> just like every third of the month like can you just just take me over here I'll meet you at the coffee shop and you and you pay I am fucking frankly shocked that my mother is not on that list. I think that it's a major disappointment for me. She's she's more of like a social media cheerleader yeah. than like <laughs> uh, than an actual um, committed. Yeah, she uh, talks. Mentor. She talks a lot. You're saying Terry. Kyle's mom talks the talk but doesn't walk the walk. She I think so. She doesn't back it up. This is shame. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, it's cool. Jerome Schmitz will not give one fucking cent or a <laughs> second of his time to this show. Uh, but, I don't think but, my I don't think my mother even knows about this show. Yeah, my my mom, dude, trying to explain to my parents like what a podcast is, like you just can't. This do is it. my dad's first podcast, and he he sent me a message. He's like, I listened to all four episodes, and I was like, you definitely don't know anything that we're talking about. <laughs> oh, I I played uh, my interview with Alex White for my parents, and my mom's like, so are you gonna be the Olympic announcer? I was like, 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 mom, you need to work on your like comprehension. What is your mom's accent? Where is she from? (laughs) She's from New Orleans, but she's lived in Seattle for a while. She sounds like that. That's amazing. Yeah. She's like, you sounded better than she did. (laughs) I was like, mom. That's great. Real supportive. No, but for real. Thank you, uh, thank you so much to everyone out there for contributing. Uh, We wouldn't be able to do this without you. We've kind of just been doing this for fun for the last couple months. Um, but you know, behind the scenes, it is a lot of work for Ted Schmitz. And so, um, we bought him that soundboard with all, all of our initial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not just an app. All right. So let's move on. We're not going to try to solicit you too much. Um, so- Give me your fucking wallet now! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got one joke. <laughs> uh, it's good. I'm going to fill this soundboard out though. Yeah. Uh. All right. So what's, what's been new y'all? Uh, all right, let's talk Gizmo. Kristen, you did the interviews for all of the skaters in Gizmo. Ah, yeah, I did. All of them. That was a lot of work. Congrats on the. Work. It looked great in the Bible. Love seeing the name in print. Love it. Plug. <laughs> yeah, you had uh, like thirty percent of that issue was was you. Thirty percent. I don't. I know. mean, I got a couple a, pages. It's also, a lot. 
started on page 69. Fun fact. Um, Hell yeah! <laughs> yes. nice. I didn't see it in print. I, I didn't take Kyle's advice from the last episode. Got what was that? Here, you didn't subscribe. Oh, here we go. <laughs> nice. Um, Can you? Yeah. So yeah, it was a lot of work, and it 69. just happened to coincide with me planning Wheels of Fortune. Which is <laughs> oh, fucking awesome! Really great timing. I'm like a magnet for shit in like April, like April, no. like I don't know, the year before. I like went on tour with like my band in like late spring so yeah it was it was really stressful i did a lot of interviews like while driving home from vancouver or like at you know odd hours because you know Haley lives in australia sarah's in sweden um so yeah it definitely was not easy um and i transcribed everything um i had to write the intros and Dude, all that, that stuff so fucking long to do that took a long time yeah but i'm like me. really stoked um on learning how to do that better um just to be a better journalist. Me, that literally broke me. What was that? Transcribing literally broke my writing habit. Yeah. So, so I have this really cool app called Tape a Call Pro, which is if you're a journalist out there um, and doing interviews, because you can slow it down to like 0.5, which oh, sounds really funny, especially when you're listening to Alyssa Steamer, because she already has a really funny inflection in her voice. She mm -hmm. talks a little slow, so hearing her talk in halftime is interesting, as well as everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so you're kind of like awesome. giggling and in, in, in writing. So I, I had a lot of fun Nancy doing it. Nancy um, Pelosi. I was really stoked to do it because I've, um, I did a lot of research and I've been following these people for a really long time and know some of them more personally um so it was really cool to not ask them like really punishing questions like you know how does it feel to, i asked lacy as a joke obviously and <laughs> for lacy's first question how awesome. does it feel to be a woman in skateboarding awesome um what did you say uh, she was like uh when i kick flip uh my vagina is still there like something like that <laughs> yeah. um yeah so it was it was really cool i felt like i don't know if this is true or not but i felt like since maybe i knew them and also like Letitia didn't necessarily know me, but halfway through the interview, she figured out that like I skated too, and like we, you know, grew up watching the same video. Then we started like rapping out about that stuff, and I just think to myself, I'm like, would this be different, you know, if it was someone else doing this interview? And so, in a lot of way, I felt really grateful to be able to do that and share their stories in a way that was really authentic and that they felt comfortable. And um, I felt like we were able to cover a lot of ground and talk about the video specifically, but also like their background and. Just a lot of times I read like women's interviews. It's like, what's it like being the only chick in the van, dude? You know, like stuff like that. And um, I've said sure, this before, like, but I think it's like boring. So yeah, it was cool to, from the perspective of a guy. Yeah, exactly. So to write some more an audience that's that's like me. And um, so yeah, I'm really I'm really proud of it and really grateful for that opportunity. And um, for some of them, it was like it was like Letitia's first thing in Thrasher. Huh. Since like really? she like yeah, since like she did like Buster Bale, which was like that event contest they did like a long time ago. Yeah. So like she had never had like a big feature, um, and yeah, so it was pretty cool. And then it happened to be in the same issue that Alyssa interviewed Alexis in. So Alexis Sablone has a whole feature as well in the same mag, um, and that's really sick. If you haven't checked that out, her photos are amazing, um, yeah. and it was just cool to uh, that dynamic of friends interviewing each other. Um, yeah, so I always think that that's that's cool, yeah. um, super. a cool vibe. Like when uh, I think Johan, Johan's part came out, like Grant interviewed him or whatever. Yeah, that yeah. was really cool. Mm -hmm. so. I copy edited that for the site. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was actually something that I, I was I was glad to see, um, I guess, uh, come out because I, I had spoken with um, 
with the editorial staff at uh, the Bible at uh, at Thrasher like maybe six or eight months ago, and I was like, and I'm just like a Brianna Gearing fanboy, and I was like, dude, it'd be cool to see like like what's her winter routine like up in uh, fucking you know I don't know Vancouver or whatever, or I was like I was like or there's like a ton of like new women just like like what to watch listicle bullshit uh that i was like thinking about just to have like fucking anything run he's like he was like actually he's like i kind of want to have like some women uh doing like putting out uh more of the uh, more of the content for women skating and i was like tick dude and, like that's fucking i was i was really glad to see the kind of the the follow-through on that and to, to see I, not only that like alex i think wrote like a king of the road uh piece last year and, yeah it was uh, on the so- kashawalan or no, no King of the Road, but they did it at Kashawland, the dirt, the place where they do the dirtboard race. Yeah, 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 that was and really good. So no, I just I think that's cool. I think that's, you know, I was glad to see, you know, them. Yeah, I was. My, my rejection was uh, was was well found or you know well deserved, and and so I was just hyped on that or whatever. Totally. Yeah. One other thing that was cool is like we've been working with Thrasher to do the coverage of uh, Wheels of Fortune, and like one thing that we wanted to do is like. Um, instead of like have it be like human or woman like use like the x to like showcase that like it's a more inclusive uh interpretation of the word woman or human to like yeah. include like uh non-binary and trans people um or gender non-conforming people as well as like cis women um yeah. and it was really cool how like open they were to that and then when we did like the humans of WAF feature as well like we were able to share people's pronouns and kind of create that and i just it was really cool like a lot of times like I'll work with people that get really like defensive. Like I think that they like know what's up and then they'll get all defensive and like weird about like, Hey, can we, you know, can we make this change? Yeah. You get this weird pushback. But, um, often I find like with people that are sort of new to that or whatever, or excited, it's, um, like they're really open to it and they're like, Hey, we're learning. Like, thanks so much. You know? And it was kind of this cool exchange where we're able to bring a lot of the values of skate, like a girl and like women skateboarding, to like a major outlet and not get like a lot of pushback. Like I was kind of like, to be honest, like I was kind of scared. I was like, oh, maybe like they're gonna be like, oh, this is dumb and just edit it out, you know? Like there's certain things that, you know, me and Lacey talked about um, in Lacey's interview, just about like how men can be better like filmers and better allies in general. And like, I was like, well, they could just cut this whole thing out and because they just don't want to talk about it or don't want that to be a part of the conversation or like it's a shut up and skate moment. Um, But I was actually really stoked that pretty much yeah, everything that we talked about in the <laughs> interviews made it online at yeah. least, um, and a lot of it in print too. So, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm yeah. really hyped on that. I'm hyped on how open people are to being more inclusive lately, and I felt really refreshed by that. I think that's really important. Also, right now when um, we're kind of in a certain realm of the discourse around skateboarding, it's pretty easy to speak of Thrasher as being representative of a particular thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's really important um, to be clear when this sort of stuff is going on and when there is openness, when there is flexibility, when there is interest in um, spreading out a little bit or growing a little bit. I think that's yeah. that, that's not the narrative that you hear a whole lot. Yeah, and with a lot of things, I think that's kind of typical of the culture is that, you know, there's there are steps forward and there are steps back. Um, yeah. But yeah, just highlighting a moment that's kind of sick is... That's what I'm about. I'm just about counting our blessings, fucking staying positive, fucking PMA. Well, what, <laughs> on that note, what do we think about the video? Are we stoked on the video? Why were there no titles in the video? Hated it. Man, yeah, let's not talk a about that. Are you, so are you was that an in living color reference? <laughs> what? 
Who had the In Living Color reference? The, the homie don't play that? I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Hated it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, the first thing we say is like, fuck, no titles. No, that's a Jason misstep. That's none of the skaters. Um, yeah. Also, uh, anybody taking back their um, land and manual tricks after watching Lacey's Park? Lacey did a couple of very tasteful uh, Manny out tricks on spots yeah, yeah. that were almost like, well, that's what you do there, right? Yeah, like yeah, those, yeah. Those spots are particular. What, whatever. Yeah, she, that was killer. She's great. Yeah. I mean, Lacey Baker can do every Lacey Baker. Nice walk back, Kyle. Well, no, I mean, there <laughs> I can, are exceptions I, to every man, rule. <laughs> yeah. Well, the gr- the gr- the great skater can do the distasteful move well. Yeah. That's what I was saying, dude. Speaking of exceptions, exceptional nose manual nollie flip, maybe, maybe the best. I can't even think of. Oh, on like the ki- on the kick, got a better one. On the kick on, flip, Manny down, and then the nose Manny up. Nose on because the Gino it banks. uses the mm. ramp like a fucking kicker. Yeah, it's, yeah, that, that was incredible. the best shit. Um, I was super impressed by Haley. I thought Haley was was the, the half one. cabin. Yeah, man, that whole part. Like, Which part was, was hers? That? Was her, hers was the second part. <laughs> All right, so here's what I figured. Like, and back me up here. So there are Sarah really five finished. parts. There's Sarah's part, Haley's part, uh, Letitia's part, uh, Lacey's part, and then Alyssa's part. Was, and then Haley shared a part with uh, Nicole House. Right. That's and what then, I was say, yeah. And Sarah had some guests in hers as well, right? She had. Yeah, I think Josie had a clip. Aori was in right. that, right? Yeah. No. No, Letitia had Aori, and I'm sorry, the young Brazilian Risa. girl. Right. Risa. Okay. And then Lacey didn't have any guests. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that no, sounds right. F- right. So, I mean, back to the, like, my, my thing on the titles is that, you know, one of the things that going titleless does is it allows you to have different shapes to skate videos, right? Like, once yep. you get names out of there, then suddenly you're allowed to have a character go away or come back or pop up again or like, yeah. you know, bundle skaters together by way of but just spot give, but rather just than... give us something in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, easy to do also, that with a little vignette. It also like puts more pressure on the fucking editing, the ambiance and the music. Totally. And, and I didn't like any yeah. of that. Right. Because <laughs> it was because it, it, it was a big budget Nike movie in Jason right. Hernandez's hands. Right, right. So I, I kind of, I, I said this, to y'all privately like I love the skating and, and I, I watched it again like right before we started recording tonight and I was just like I like all of this this is great like Lacey's fucking amazing like I don't know these other skaters but they're fucking rad and like Alyssa's a legend and it's amazing to see her oh, a fucking rule. rip I couldn't the, believe how incredible yeah, yeah. Alyssa's footage yeah. was like, yeah. like awesome to see her rip in this way like being someone who's like about my age, like whatever, you know, like older I, than you, forty three. Yeah, like I can relate to it, you know, like but yeah. but just the um, energy of the video, like it just felt empty. Like I don't know why, but it just it just seemed like it, it, you know it's a big company, like whatever. Like I'm not gonna fucking. I like Nike shoes. I like the team, blah, blah blah. But I do not like those videos, and I didn't like this video. Was it the music? Yes, partly, and it was no, it, the not the breeders. You wouldn't change a thing about the breeders. No, I like that breeder song it, was ABD. I liked it when Jeremy Klein skated to that song. <laughs> and like, um, I don't know, I, I heard that song before. Like, isn't that a isn't that a like a fucking faux pas? Like to skate someone's song? Like, like I don't know. Is like I it made me think too much know. about that song. Where I was like, are they taking this song back? Like, is this? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, and there's well, like, there's also a bunch of like. I think sec- people need to start skating to the amps. There's a, the there's also a bunch of like security guard footage in China, which kind of felt like which bothered me, where there where it's like showing some like hysterical 
like security guards screaming like weirdly and like people like high fiving about how they're fucking like juking out the security guard. Like I don't know. Yeah, well, it's just I, it's just like the standard HD. I don't know. It, like, it it's is just all the tropes like, of a standard shitty HD is, like, video. The you skateboarding know? is awesome. The people yeah. in it are awesome. I didn't like the video, um, and I'm trying to figure out why. Well, well it's funny. It could, well, think about it. It's the, it's the the one outlier in that whole equation. Who's that? Jason Hernandez. Jason. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know. I think it's wild that the first name, the first two names you see in the video are the two filmmakers, the two dudes who made the movie, right? Like it's yeah. Gizmo title Bobier. screen and then there's <laughs> no names. It's nobody. And then it's like these two guys during the drone shots, yeah. it was a, you know, there's, there's a yeah. way that I, I, I don't know. I wrote, I wrote a thing about Greg Hunt once and I, I remember getting on Greg Hunt, but the thing that's rad about, about Greg is that sound part. he always films spots. Like he believes in spots. Like he's interested in the shape of a spot and then the skater moves into the spot, passes through the spot with yeah. Jason. It's just like, I don't know really what he's focusing on. Like, I think he's interested in color maybe, or just definition itself. Yeah. Like Jason I, Hernandez I think might just be a, a, a fetishist for high definition. And beyond that, I don't know what he's actually watching when he's looking his big through thing that lens. Is like His big thing is transition clips. Like it'll be like eight clips that are, Four of them are time lapses, and they're all condensed into a two-second transition. Or there's and like a g- formal element that moves through the clips, and then like what, the basketball at the end of, at the end of the video in the like uh, closing montage, like title sequence, like there's like a walled city, and it's showing these like North African like kind of like overviews. Yeah. Like, what were they skating there? Like, am I like why is that there? <laughs> I don't know if that was <laughs> was that like some part of yeah. You know, I know like, they went to Spain. Yeah. Yeah. Am I One looking thing- at Toledo or fucking? I don't know. It's just like this weird thing. Like, and what is it? What? What's the point there with that? Right, right, right. Except that there is technology involved in global yeah. scope of brand to reach. Right. Uh, Kristen. Yeah. Um. I was gonna say. Yeah. With the titles, I definitely. Uh. I feel that. I feel like it was. Uh. In a way, maybe a missed opportunity to, especially highlight people like Sarah or Haley that have yeah, a unique yeah. style that people maybe have not seen before. Um. Yeah. So it would have been yeah, a cool we want opportunity. To know. To, that Sarah clip is dope. No slide to back fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would have been a cool opportunity for people to be like, oh, there's that person. Um, right. yep. There are the interviews, though, up online and stuff like that. Another thing that to consider, too, is that it was a very time condensed um, piece. Like, I think they filmed it over the course of a year and mostly on like specific yeah. trips. Yeah. So, like, I know they yeah. went to Alicante and I know they went to um, uh, Guangzhou. I think that's how you say it. Um, and then I know there was some stuff filmed in L.A., um, yeah. so as far as like something, um, only filmed in a matter of like a year, I feel like it's pretty impressive footage. Um, and yeah, the footage. Was, yeah. Yeah. You're totally yeah. right. I, so, I, on some level, I'm like, I'm, I'm like comparing it negatively and favorably to like Menek Mahdi or something, <laughs> you know, like something exactly. Like, That's, like I was honestly going to bring to film. Yeah. I was thinking that, yeah, almost all of, if there are I- I- any, Criticisms. I, I think most of it is that uh, that all of the the skaters, the athletes, because um, some of them I think are Olympians. Yeah, Leticia and uh, about half sit, the team. Yeah, about half of them. Yeah, yeah. Lacey, Leticia, uh, no. Haley. Um, can I can I just say one other thing? Sorry. Like, uh, yeah. love the skating. Uh, I don't think ever skate park footage and helmet footage is like should ever be in like a video of that scale. You, can you, you alley oop back? 
backside ollie out of a vert ramp no <laughs> i'm not a fucking jock fuck no no <laughs> <laughs> hell no shit. of course new cool house is doing shit that so many people can't do and definitely for the women's you know yeah, realm, I, it's yeah, fucked up i'm just saying for for like a video like i would love to, I, if i saw it at my local skate park i would like bang my board against like whatever thing I could and like scream my, my, <laughs> well, you're like, always at Chelsea pier these days. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but like, um, but like in a, in a video, it, it's, it did stick out. Like the, you don't see a lot of helmet footage. You don't see a lot wait, of, wait, like, is that skate? And, 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 yeah, and like Nicole house had, and park it, no, I, I, I want Nicole house had sca- skate park footage, but are you talking like specifically like new California style skate park? Because I mean, people have skate park footage in like every, transition part tony marana just had that clip at burnside that was like you know all over everywhere from that anti-hero clip that's an inter- not a skate park I yeah would, what do you ted barrow what do you do if you're a transition skater um that's a what good does question. your part look like not where uh it doesn't have a helmet in it i, I don't think <laughs> oh yeah that's one of your rules i totally forgot <laughs> no but that's that's uh, like a satirical rule but generally like i think you know it's very seldom that helmet footage looks good and I felt, and I was just like, I understand why people wear helmets, and I'm not like vibing that, but I just was like, damn, there's like, there's like prefab, there's like these like sk- California skate parks, and there's like someone skating in a helmet, and um, can I back at backside alley oop out of a hip? No, no, but have I seen that in like a Powell video from 1988? Yes. However, you would probably agree, Ted, that the dopest clip of the entire last year was Oski's like alley oop nose blunt thing in the polar video. Part. I was gonna say that. Yeah, that's. Was he uh, wearing a helmet absolutely. in that video? I mean, no. That he, his hair is pretty fucking thick. That's you really feel like it looks that bad? <laughs> I, I was gonna say there is a. I think there's like a distinguishing factor between skate park with a fence and skate park without a fence. Oh, and if there's like a clearly visible fence, it's like, oh no, you got to skate there before they close the gate. And it just seems much more, I don't know, curated or something. I think there's also remember- a distinguishing factor between like, if you want to bring up Tony Murana or whatever, like, I don't think he grew up in a culture with like public skate parks. So seeing him skate, no, I think he's like 55 or like 71. That dude has been around skating for so fucking long. So so seeing he like went pro when he was 40. But there, okay, you can tell when a street skater is skating a mini ramp and like how they skate, like and uh, like someone who grew up skating a mini ramp, like and how they skate. And like so seeing Tony Murana skate like a fucking like DIY that he built, he's still gonna skate it like someone who grew up skating natural naturally occurring obstacles and i'm not and, and i'm not i mean he played like, back backsmith the full pipe i don't know what the fuck that naturally occurs no that's crazy but like he like there's a certain style that non-skate park skate skaters have and i'm trying yeah. to like pin, pinpoint i'm not bringing this up to like dislike that person that was skating with a helmet in a skate park but i'm just saying like in a video that was another thing that kind of like made me not stoked on the video. To your personal taste, I, yeah, is like for sure. Yeah, yeah it's I love not Nicole a matter. House. Of, not a matter of personal taste. I mean, like, no, it is. It is. <laughs> it is. I know. What is it a matter of? Absolutely, your whole shit of the last eight minutes. You're right. I was like, no, that's no, a new no. problem, my man. No, because all because <laughs> you're the three younger skaters in this cast. Y'all, your first video was the end. Hey, <laughs> hey uh, no, 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 Ted, no, no. Ted, Ted no, as, no. as a forty-year-old, I hear where you're coming from. However, I think that opens up a, an, an incredibly big conversation about like, well, what's a skate video, right? Like, are we saying that an official release put out 
like as skate videos used to be put out shouldn't have helmet skate park footage in it and that may be yeah. but that's not what a video is anymore like that's not even what this video was like well, this video but i'm not saying i'm not saying what it should be because it is what it is i'm just saying the things that i didn't sure sure like, love sure, about sure, it sure. are were, were like one of, that was one of those things it felt in that in the helmet footage in a skate park adds to my feeling that it was a little bit manufactured which of course it was of course adds right? a bit that it was manufactured you said yeah like yeah, all, what's interesting all videos is, are manufactured, I know. Yeah, so like when I used to go on trips with Ben Rayborn and Jaws probably, I don't know, eight years ago. We call him Jaw now. Yeah, so they, you know, <laughs> Ben's, an, Ben's an amazing transition skater, grew up watching videos from the 80s, uh, skating half pipes, probably modeled after the types of skateboarders that you're talking about. But I remember that at that era of filming videos, that the way that you did it was you took them to ditch spots and cool looking pools or fucked up skate parks that are like somewhere in the Midwest that don't have, I don't know, normal transition or they're like covered in graffiti. And you just wouldn't put footage of them skating at skate parks with, I don't know, like in Arizona yeah. or California. And that was just kind of like the model. And you just, you had all your skate park tricks that you learned at those uh you know those prefab parks or whatever you want to call them yeah. and then you yeah, would yeah. take yeah. take that to i don't know the street version of transition which was like a uh that but, pool that's in upstate that new york awesome? or something isn't that like that? like yeah that's that's like what but it's makes funny it's a, yeah yeah it is just a different type of manufactured i guess that's what i was saying no but like but that's like where street skating came from it's like it, it yeah, kind but of... they're not doing that though. That's the thing that, as a street skater, like when I go film a video part, I find spots and then I think of a trick to do on them. Whereas the way that those videos would get made with like Tony Trujillo or maybe John Cardiel is they would just take them to these types of spots and have them do their tricks, and it'd be like you would just have your whole bag and you just yeah. get it at different locations. And basically, the filmmakers still just manufacturing it. Yeah, but you're also like you're like totalizing Tony Trujillo and John Cardiel. Like John Cardiel did not grow up with like access to the Santa Rosa skate park like Tony Trujillo did. Like you're right. Yeah, he grew yeah, up yeah. in Half Moon Bay. Like there's a there's a <laughs> and, and and yeah yeah to say that anything that John Cardiel did was manufactured no, but, is probably but, but there's like, just like get me I think that killed. that thing also is skated <laughs> rad. Like, oh, like <laughs> just bowing down. And you get my prayer rug out. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> I just will be back in five minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just think that like for a video, videos are aesthetic and videos are like performative and we should see that trick performed in its most beautiful like way. And I don't think in a helmet at a skate park is the most beautiful way that a trick should be performed. I get it. Yeah. For me, you got to have the elbow pads and the knee pads. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, I was gonna say, would you say that they're almost like pro wrestling? <laughs> like, like for me, you gotta have the boots that lace up all the way to the knee in the middle uh, of a stadium with like yeah, flashes yeah. flashing. Yeah, announcers, and there's got to be like kind of like a long, convoluted like narrative arc that leads you to that moment of uh, physical, um, you know, excitement. But I, I don't know. This is an interesting conversation though that this brings to mind because I do remember thinking that there were so many great skaters like in the in the era of Cardiel that never got that video part. Who put that video? Who puts, was sight unseen, right? Was that yeah. John Holland? Yeah. That was John Holland. Yeah, Ty and Evans. so it was like, I was just so thankful that someone 
was able to like curate a whole John Cardiel part and package yeah. it. And it's just like the greatest video part of all time. But like for a lot of other skaters, like a Phil shower, whoever, you know, like yeah. you, you just got a kind of compilation of footage. Of Are them, you telling like, me that dedication doesn't stand up to sight unseen? <laughs> One thing that's true of a lot of transition skaters is that the mode of advertising in skate culture is like to sell product is through big feature length films still yeah. or like or individual parts and a lot of transition skaters just didn't grow up filming video parts yeah. and the ones especially who are like came up in the age of instagram are even more confused so it's like i don't blame them for going to a skate park and not you know it's like that's not what they do they skate contests and they post instagram clips and yeah you know and then nike's sitting there telling them like well you have to film stuff 30 for this. seconds yeah or, film yeah. 30 seconds of footage for this video and they're you know it's just kind of like well i don't even know how to film a video part yeah yeah, yeah. um also i think the for me the biggest barrier between like because like <laughs> i mean we all know my skating very well <laughs> uh <laughs> uh i i grew up i was a i was a loading dock skater and then i Same. and then i was a for like six months um the ledges were too tall at my local park for some reason at the point when i could barely 50 50 them ryan could backside 50 50 backside flip out on them <laughs> and that was would, the first trick i ever filmed trick? and and the only <laughs> time i've ever 12, done it were you wearing capris uh, no, I was wearing Ed Templeton Americas. Oh, it's so adorable. Capris or pants, but okay. <laughs> I was like so fixated on the shoes that I was wearing that I didn't even think what you were talking about my, uh, my, my but pants. But okay. Um, but yes, Your man Capris. They, they were, they but, were, they, so yes, uh, Capris and Ed Templeton Americas. Yeah. That was the look. Weird mixture of dill and Templeton. Like yeah. Dude, Mason. Mesa was between the coasts. Like we were really confused on shit. You get like you get hardcore HB, and then you get like this weird Hollywood shit, just like vectoring into your yeah your yeah park. I mean yeah. Um, we, weird fact is that we're we're basically equidistant between San Diego and California, and I think that ends up uh, uh, things trickle to us in a weird way because of that. But um, no, um, I was a flyout kid, unapologetically. And I'll tell you why, because my friend Brad has a theory. Everybody you know who's good at airs started as a flyout kid. Every yeah, good yeah, air yeah. Well, duh. behind it is a flyout. I don't think sure. that's a theory. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's, a, that's, yeah. a, oh, that's, that's not true. debatable. That's, yeah. And yeah. so so I have I have no apologies for my rocking airs uh, <laughs> because my my flyout um, nose grabs or nose grab back 180s, which I'm insanely good at, better than anybody you know. Um, <laughs> sure. I, That's such a fly I out did, kid thing to say too. Like, yeah, yeah. You're it's really living into this. I like it. And Keep going. Highest and most um, is that I didn't understand like why there weren't more sort of like like why I fucking hated every clip in Alex Chalmers part that wasn't him flying out of a cannon into a windshield and sorry. <laughs> and I, I just, I didn't get it. And then when you sort of, I loved Jeff Rally, right? And sorry. 
and you know, I got to apologize once again, Ted, I'm going to date myself um, as being like a sorry thrill of it all fucking Baker 2G kid. But there is something so fucking uninteresting about the, the, the skate park in a, in, a, in a visual sense. Like it is so yeah. barren and gray and void of any like like signal or or um corner or any indicator that there's society there it's yeah, just yeah, it's yeah. like you know it seems like a fucking um it seems like our version of a fucking crossfit gym or something yeah totally. and so I, I i think that you are necessarily handicapped by the fact that you are in this rat cage of um imageless uh, transition. No, it's not even. Um, it's not even that. It's like that. It's there. That it actually exists. Like, it's hard to. Exp- it doesn't. It's totally insignificant. But like, there was a good, like, from freshman year to fucking like two years after I graduated high school, there were no skate parks in my in my life. Yeah. All yeah. all of my skateboarding took place in like a garage at three in the morning. Like like running from cops and security guards by myself yeah. or with like whatever fucking desperate friend like would come with me and and so like and I a lot most of the videos I saw were filmed in that context you know like there would be a yeah. there was a skate park section in four on one there was like a transition site but it wasn't like your video part you know and so like that shit like yeah. kind of that's the backdrop of skateboarding that's what's beautiful about it is that like it's this illicit thing that you should not be doing and everyone knows you shouldn't be doing, but you're still doing it. And that's why it's rad. And skate parks yeah. are the antithesis. I mean, I skate skate parks, like whatever, but like they're the antithesis. Yeah. But yours has a, a slappy curb and, and a bank to wall. And, so a, yours and, is a, like and a big apple. Hey, Ted, I have a question. Mine as ha- someone who, yeah. As someone who also grew up without skate parks in Missouri in the um, early 1990s, uh, do you, did you have like a, a, an obstacle that you dreamt of having? Like, was there a thing that you wish you had? Cause for me it was a hip. Like I remember watching, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I remember watching no, like we, the friends section in virtual reality and being like, man, I just want to skate a hip. I would, I would kill someone to skate a hip. We actually had really good hips in, in Texas. Uh, oh yeah. The, we had everything's Austin a hip. fucking ditch. Ditches, yeah. yeah. Perfect Best hip. Banks. Best banks. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I want honestly a perfect ledge, like a good ledge. Yeah. Like, wow. like I wanted my volcano to be bigger. <laughs> 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 yeah, I wanted that perfect pyramid that Donnie Barley like boned out that to be like a little bit shorter. All right. So I- all right. Well, I, I think that this is a good segue into the next section, which is the the meat of this episode, which is I had uh, a closing thought. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go Sorry, ahead. Sorry, can I have a closing little- thought? Yes, of course. How dare you? <laughs> Uh, going back to the first comment that like the first two names that you see in Gizmo are like two guys and yeah my um, hope that I put out into the universe is just that next time it's not two dudes and been doing some work with Skate Witches and my friend Shari is filming uh, a video of Brianna, Una and Fabi Um, so just continue to support like women in film um, because that's gonna be a fucking awesome. Video. I was gonna say Shari yeah. makes awesome so. edits and they roll rip. I was gonna say earlier, I wish that Shari had made Gizmo. Yeah, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, well, I mean, I think everything's changing, right? And it's like this process, and Nike's like, it's like someone's got to start. Like, so they're the first like big, you know, company at least recently. I mean, don't want to 
um, not acknowledge the Gala's video, um, aka Girl Skater. If you haven't seen that gem of a tour video film documentary, it's amazing. It has Amy Crow and Vanessa Torres um, and uh, Jamie Reyes and Monica Shaw. Um, but that's like an early 2000s video. So this is the first video in a long time that like a big company has gotten behind. So props to Nike for being like the first like brand to like kind of put a stake in the ground, but there's always improvements. And one of those improvements is definitely going to be to get more women behind the camera. Um, so not just Shari, but more people. Um, if you want to support women in film, um, you know, Yuri is another person by her video, Joy and Sorrow. There's three of them featuring like the best like Japanese women skaters. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Zora's been shooting more photos. Yep, um, Norma as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because it, Norma. that's a huge thing too. Like the, we should probably t- touch on another episode is like the trust between like the filmer and the skateboarder, like the person filming. You know, which I think, like, that's maybe not. I didn't see that as a problem, but I was just like, I part of the reason I don't like this video is it's like a producer, like featuring video. You know, like Nike, yeah. Jason Hernandez, blah blah. blah. Uh, but like, yeah, obviously, if you have a good relationship with your filmer, your your footage will be will it, that will uh, reflect in your footage, right? Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. 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 And actually, if you read up on Thrasher, I did an interview with Lacey for the like Gizmo mm-hmm. video and stuff. Yeah. And in Lacey's, we talk a lot about that. So. Yeah. 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 I. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, That's all I had to say. Benjamin Netanyahu. Fucking sucks. Uh, that's my Six segue. Speaking of transitions, Dude, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, sorry. All right, all right. Um, I guess it's the segue into our next section. Thank you, Ted, for that. Yeah, it's called Delightful. it's called full the, Infowars Ted. Yeah, the favorite it's Ted. Called diplomacy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll fucking smash you with my diplomacy. God, look all what right. our fucking Patreons have created—a monster. A fucking monster. A monster. Like, all right, more rants. if you if you donate at the 50 dollar level ted will just fucking rant for an hour well this is what they're paying for if you give us five bucks ryan will explain to you the israel-palestine conflict and all of the community organizing that's happening in the west bank in five minutes check it out all right so last year my friend man hamad a uh, Palestinian-American living in Ramallah, he invited me out to the West Bank in Palestine following an Etnese trip I was on in Europe. Um, I won't get too into the weeds here, and honestly, I'm no expert, but uh, considering we have this platform, I do think it's crucial to give a little bit of context on the current political climate there. Uh, so here's a quick primer uh, with info pulled mostly from the Amnesty International website with the help of Man, uh, who actually works for them out of their offices in Jerusalem. If you've got a moment, pull out a map and it'll make things easier to understand. So the Palestinian territory, uh, the West Bank, including East Jerusalem and the Gaza Strip, is currently in its fifth decade of Israeli military occupation. Uh, It goes without saying that life in the West Bank is drastically different than for those living in Gaza, which Israel maintains near total control over. Borders, airspace, water, telecommunications, and a list of every Gazan who is allowed to leave or enter the Strip. But the lived experience of Palestinians in the West Bank includes, quote, draconian restrictions on the movement of Palestinians with some 600 roadblocks and checkpoints, uh, as well as discriminatory policies affecting water access, punitive arrests, unfair trials, and excessive or lethal force to subdue nonviolent demonstrations. Uh, With the backing of an increasingly right-wing government, Israel continues to violate international law by expanding settlements, uh, which are 
effectively heavily guarded gated communities into the West Bank and East Jerusalem, essentially annexing huge swaths of Palestinian land and displacing even more civilians. Prospects for a just and sustainable resolution are bleak, only increasing tension and the likelihood of more violent flare-ups. Nearly every person I encountered openly shared harrowing personal and family experiences of discrimination, home invasions, arrests, uh, even stories of loved ones or they themselves being shot. It's really hard to overstate, even as a visitor with incredible privileges, just how many daily physical impediments and military checkpoints there are. Within mere hours of arriving in Ramallah, I instantly became friends with the Ram Sabah and Adham Tamimi, some of the first skaters in the West Bank. Uh, home from university and with access to their dad's car, they showed me everything their country had to offer. The truth is, there's no comfortable way to talk about this or my experience as an American visiting Palestine without sounding like some sort of war tourism fetishist. And honestly, it's forced me to face some hard truths about what traveling means, my own relationship with the native community here in the States, and what help or aid work should actually look like. Giving a shit, as many of us have found out, can sometimes be harmful and constantly needs refinement and refocusing. You gotta have humility, folks. The long and short of it is that I met incredibly strong, resilient people with a beautiful culture and incredible food, most of whom were mainly concerned with how to grow skateboarding in their country with the help of international NGO SkatePal. Ten months later, I met back up with them and we did this casual interview about the scene, Aram's upbringing, and future prospects for the org. Hope you enjoy it. All right, I'm here in Tunis, uh, the capital of Tunisia in North Africa with my friends Theo, Charlie, and Aram from SkatePal, which is an incredible skate NGO working in Palestine. Charlie, you're the founder of SkatePal. Theo, you're the co-director. And Aram, you're a local coordinator in Palestine. Why don't we go through and you guys give a little introduction to how you all met and got involved in this project. Charlie, where did this all start for you? Uh, well, the idea of uh, SkatePal started um, a while back when I first went uh, to Palestine after school I was teaching English as a volunteer in Janine in the north of the West Bank and I brought my skateboard with me and after classes I would take the board out in the street and skate around and the kids were like do you have magnets in your feet because I'd be like <laughs> popping all these like you know a meter a meter and a half like l legit <laughs> 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 right, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, for, our, for our mostly American audience, what is uh, what is a meter? <laughs> it was like t t twelve foot. I don't know the conversion rate. It was world record breaking, whatever it was. No, anyway, I was I was skating in the street, and the kids were really interested in skating, um, more so than the classes. And I was like, if if someone were to come back with a lot of skateboards and, and hand out to the kids, um, skateboarding would really uh, be, be be successful. And then after Skate Sand started uh, the following year in about 2007 or 8, um, that gave me the impetus to be like, oh, well, if they can do it over there, then there's no reason why it couldn't happen in Palestine. So that's how I, I first got started over there. And then obviously within about a week of arriving in Palestine, I met Aram. And he was like, what the fuck are you doing? There's only two skaters in the country. <laughs> why are you making a mini ramp in Ramallah? <laughs> why are you making a mini ramp? <laughs> Who is it for? Uh, and that's how it all began. Um, and it was just kind of a, if they if you build it, they will come kind of? 
Yeah, I mean, like that was the idea. It was like if we can build a ramp and and uh, and get some kids to, to to head over and do some classes with them. Um, there's no question that they're going to be stoked on skating, uh, because there's so few things to uh, to be doing there. Yeah. So I mean, it's some of the first skaters there, like Aram Atham, uh, Basam, May. I mean, they're still part of a crew every time we head back and we and we, and we skate together. Yeah, it sounds like a good vibe. Yeah, uh, I, I, I've I've spent some time there. I'll get into that later. Uh, so Theo, how did you get involved? Um, I got involved through a quite random trip to Palestine in 2015 with my friend Phil, and we went across um, just just out of curiosity, really. Uh, and we googled skateboarding in Palestine, and Skate Power website popped up, and Charlie's phone number popped up on the website. Wow, just threw your phone number on the website. Best site ever made. Hands <laughs> down. He doesn't, he, he doesn't have his phone number on the website anymore. This is a very old website. He's still using... It yeah. just says skateboarding in Palestine and has your phone number. Yeah. Contact Charlie for skateboarding like in Palestine. A picture of some houses in Ramallah that were like really ugly. Yeah, that was that. He was still like using, black and yellow. He's still, still using your skatepal at yahoo.com. I was going to say... Uh, <laughs> yeah, still using your Yahoo. He had a terrible, terrible website. <laughs> it had more options than projects he'd done. It was like, it was terrible. Uh, and we, yeah, we, we got in touch. I met this guy, he was like, what you're doing is horrendous. <laughs> Let me sort it out. And then it got sorted out straight away. <laughs> Let me show you how it works. So we called him. <laughs> we called him on his phone number. Um, and we were like, hey, we want to go over and visit. Is there anything we could do to help? And uh, I was teaching skateboarding in London at the time, just as a part-time job. So I had like loads of spare equipment and stuff that I wanted to take over. And uh, Charlie said, yeah, come over. We planned a trip. Happened to be at the same time that Charlie was already in the country. It happened that Aram was there at the time before you left for university. Yeah. Uh, but the biggest coincidence really was that Charlie was there on that trip to plan uh, the Asira Park. So he was there having meetings with the council in Asira um, and we just met up with him and just tagged along for his trip like just asked if we could follow you around and film and hang out and so within a few days we'd basically met all the skaters in the country which was at like nine at the time and uh, documented you like meeting the council and stuff and I, mostly I was amazed that there was so few skaters in the country and that Charlie was doing all of this on his own like basically planning an entire skate park wow. build in the middle of the countryside in Palestine entirely on his own. So we, we were like, can we tag along to these meetings? And he was, I think you were just bored. <laughs> you were just like, yeah, sure, come along. Why not? I'm, I'm here on my own. I need to come Coffee with me. <laughs> so, so, all right. So, so Aram, when and where did you come into the picture? Were you skating before Charlie came to Palestine? Or, oh, or? yeah. Actually, Adam started skating. And he, he's the one who got me into skateboarding, actually. And we started skating together. And we were skating actually for a year almost. Oh, less, yeah, less actually, six months, probably eight months maximum. And there was a guy from Lithuania actually came to Ramallah with a skateboard. And he was like, we skated with him a couple of days. And then he said, yo, I heard a guy from Scotland is building a mini ramp in some place. And we immediately went to that place. It's a mini ramp and we skated in our mother. That's the only thing that we have, I guess. Rad, rad. All right. So I don't, I don't want to get too into the weeds here, but you know, you grew up and currently live 
when you're not in Tunisia under military occupation. How, how has skateboarding given you an outlet to relieve some of the psychological stress and trauma that you've endured? Uh, um, I know well, that's kind of a tough question to answer. It that. is, but it's a nice question to ask, actually. Um, well, you don't really get that skateboarding really affects in a good way your psychology, like your mental health or like mind or affects you in any way at yeah. the beginning i guess you just think oh this is good i feel great let's just keep do doing this every time you feel bad or like angry or anything skateboarding pops in your head oh yeah this thing when i do it is it's good for me yeah this this thing that drives me crazy that also <laughs> makes me feel good <laughs> exactly like it provokes you to be better in life and in your own perspective of life actually it doesn't affect your life how you treat your mother or like father or anyone but it affects you how you treat yourself and how you think and have perspective on what outcomes that your life has gonna go through yeah. and skateboarding actually made me aware that there's a lot of things happen because life is life and you just have to live it and it could make you feel more powerful in some region like areas in your life like you know that if you go to like <coughs> to skate the park or in our case we don't have a park but when when you went out to skate it affected you that you would see that if anything happens in the whole life of your life it won't matter that much yeah it kind of makes you gives you control over your life when you feel powerless or maybe out of control yeah and sort some sort of also like an escape from everything yeah like you could be anywhere in any place in any area of the world and you can just be skating and away from anything that's happened in your life as big as in military occupation or as small as i don't know traffic sure yeah i mean i think that's why we're all kind of here right now you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> true all right. So beyond that, I mean, how how is skateboard? How have you used skateboarding as a tool to connect with people in Palestine and then also globally? Uh, well, connected to the people in Palestine. Was yeah, like, what has it done for your community? You know, like you, uh, how has it strengthened your community in Palestine, and what does it mean to you to? Because you seem pretty. Uh, intent on growing the skateboard scene in Palestine and mm -hmm. I know that from a lot of young people that I met on my trip there that there's kind of this divide between people who are like ah, I don't ever want to go back or I just want to move on with my life and move away or there's yeah. people who really want to go back and and um, grow whatever scene they're into there you know skateboarding happens to be that for you well yeah exactly because most people that say they don't want to come back and help out or just like live, they don't have anything there. I think they lost the attachment of really seeing they can help something from the inside, I guess. Yeah. Or help the community just being there. I mean, and and it's a tough place to live. It is. And some people just find it maybe easier to help out from the outside and just like go have their life, see their life and actually really be good at something that could really help Palestine from being just having maybe I don't know like ambassadors in the world sure yeah but <clears throat> for me I've I had this I, I really thought that this is the good thought 
of going out and just escape everything and just like say fuck everything and I don't want to be there anymore like I don't care about anything I just want to go skate but in the same time just stop and think what if I just went back home and tried to do something this big or I see it that big it could really affect a lot of things that which I'm going to speak out about by I mean going back to Palestine really helping the skateboarding scene over there I think is going to be one of the tools that the whole community would be sharing together as youth or elders actually and just like activity that they will blow off some steam in it yeah. for some kind of reason and and as you so as you kind of like slowly immersed yourself in the skateboard culture i mean where were those places that you wanted to go when you like was it you know for us growing up in phoenix it was like oh i want to go to los angeles i want to go to new york but yeah. um but for you was that barcelona or well when i started skating i just wanted to went like to go to any skate park i the, felt like I, i missed a skate park then we can't go skate in a skate park and i really just want to skate any type of rail or ledge or like any a hubba or a bowl or any transition any kind of anything that's in skate park at first when i emerged skating but then when i was aware of the skate culture i guess uh the first thing was i don't know for some reason i want to go to makba sure yeah <laughs> for who some, doesn't yeah exactly just like <laughs> ledge paradise it is and it was really nice i got the chance i was lucky enough to have a colombian passport and i just got it the in 2018 and i just traveled a bit to europe and i went to makba how was it did it live up to your expectations well more than my expectation yeah. actually because i just as soon as you go there you're like oh fuck i'm an actually video like i'm in like i'm in the video <laughs> that i'm just watching on instagram i'm you're, just like in there <laughs> you're literally in a video <laughs> in the video seriously <laughs> and it's fucking hectic over there like lots of people just jumping popping and flipping and for someone my level i guess i felt hey, you're preaching to the intimidated. choir buddy. i felt the same way there <laughs> <laughs> i felt like intimidated by the skating there somehow but at the same time it feels so fucking nice to sit and watch yeah and it's kind of and a just, rad little yeah. international community you know exactly and i've missed be like growing up in palace there's no skaters you miss a huge part of being skating with your friends and just going out each and every day to skate out or even skate trips around the country or anything and going to Tunis coming here in Tunis and even traveling around Europe gave me this experience which I can have a better experience I guess because like when you skate it's it's priceless when you skate with your friends back home but it's also a nice real experience when you skate with a lot of other people around the world and globally yeah which makes it easier to go any country and just say yeah hey i'm a skater just pop in the skate park and like i want to me skate i guess and just you don't even say anything they just like look at you nod at you and just like you're in <laughs> yeah definitely. this, this yeah, doesn't mean much instant membership or something yeah exactly it's a big family yep couldn't be more true yeah i mean what you said about the skate parks like really hit me because i grew up in a place that's abundant with skate parks i mean there's probably 20 within an hour of my house right now <laughs> and you just take them for granted 
or at worst, like kind of resent them <laughs> because of the <laughs> type of skateboarding that sometimes it can can incubate create. Yeah. or create. But um, yeah, it's like you don't even have the the fortune of having a public skate park to kind of build those skills because they are like incredible to have when you're really young, you know. That's true. And and when you're old, I mean, I go to a skate park almost every day when I'm home. So, um, I mean, okay, let's let's take a step back. I mean, how many people are involved in Skate Pal right now? I don't want to uh, leave anyone out. Yeah, yeah, no, very good question. Um, so the three of us have Phil in the UK, who does a lot of uh, video, uh, graphic design, uh, and loads of other stuff, to be honest. He does a lot of things. Loads of stuff. Loads of stuff. Um, ambassadors. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, ambassadors. Of which there are three. Three. Danny, uh, Chris, and this guy, Ryan. Who's, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Checkler, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. We tried Ryan Townley? These guys, met, yeah, yeah, these guys actually met me at the airport in Tunis with a uh, Ryan Checkler uh, <laughs> sign that uh, Ron was holding over his head. Ryan Sheckler. We tried to get Checkler, but he, he was already busy with you know other what? You're just going to have to settle for me, guys. Um, yeah, and then Mayan uh, works for us on the ground in Palestine as well. He like works full-time for Amnesty International and then part-time for Skate Power. Um, and does a lot. I'm mean, super involved. Yeah, yeah, he's incredible. But other than that, there's loads Shout of Shout out, man. Shout yeah. out, man. One, of, one of the best humans right there. One of the best humans. Um, other than that, loads of amazing volunteers, especially in particular Tess and Abdullah in Palestine and a multitude of people around the world, predominantly who, in Europe. Shout who, out to Adam. Like being there. And Adam. And Adam. Love and you, Maj, skate buddy. And Maj as well. And May. Mate. So it Especially like a big mate, mate was a, it's a big family. Yeah, mate. yeah. Yeah, it's hard when you start doing this because there's just you realize that there's so many people that are <laughs> so crucial to your mission, and you don't want to leave anyone. That's no, true. True. Yeah, it's true. And the guys at the beginning, like Mick, was a guy who was out there for in the second year and did a lot of work with us. Uh, and my brother, who came like right at the beginning, and my and a few friends from Edinburgh, like university, who said okay, I'll give you a hand like, right at the beginning. And also a shout out to uh, my old flatmate, James, the Irish James, because he was the one that basically got in touch with me um, after the ramp in Ramallah and was like, that looks sick. How about a concrete skate park somewhere? So he kind of spurred me on to do the first uh, a concrete park. Oh, James McConville? Yeah, James McConville. Wow. You took my sugar, please return it. Did it? No, it wasn't James. <laughs> it was someone else. Was that was it him? Maybe, yeah. I James was Irish. Yeah, James Irish, right? James, if you're listening to this, I'm making listen to this. If you're listening to this, I brought a rum sugar from Phoenix, so you don't you know need how to bring how sugar. Tough it okay. is, bro. But yeah, so, so so I mean, you guys are essentially trying to build a skate scene in Palestine where there was no skate scene, yeah. but. What's kind of interesting about that is that none of you really like skating parks per se, but <laughs> you realize that the, the only way to kind of build a skate scene, especially with younger kids, is through, you know, you can't really just start them off with street skating. And so I want to talk more a little bit about that dynamic, like, because I've experienced that with skate after school, you know, like we want to support youth in Phoenix and, and grow, not grow the skate scene per se, but, you know, introduce kids to an activity that we love and has taught us a lot about how to live our lives. And, um, you know, 
I never was into kind of structured, formalized skateboarding, and it feels a little odd to kind of, uh, you know, try and navigate that world, you know? So can you talk a little bit more about that? I mean, I think um, the skate parks that we have in Asira and Jayus, which are essentially villages and quite hilly villages, there's not going to be any street skating there because there's just no spots, really. Yeah, true. And having a skate park in a place like Jayus, I think it's it's not only a place to skateboard, but also it's it's a place where, where the kids are safe and, yeah. and the parents like know that they're in this area and they're safe. And it's in conjunction with like um with an entity, especially in Jayus, especially in in uh, Jayus. Um, but a place like uh, Ramallah obviously has a lot more potential because it's like a bigger city and it has like, spots everywhere, yeah. and it's a bit incredible flatter. skate spots, like, really good skate spots. Skate spots. <laughs> um, and I mean, having a skate park there would give a lot of the kids, you know, a focal um, point to come and meet, a, a place to to, to to give classes and to. Sort of introduce kids into skateboarding. Sure, it's like it, yeah, like the skate park's kind of like a springboard. Yeah, because it's it's quite. I mean, it's it's quite um a, a daunting thing to come up to Plaza with like people skating everywhere and kind of like practice on your own, especially if you're like a girl, for example. But if you have like if if you go down to the skate park, we have like a girls' session, and um, you can kind of get into it, and then gradually, once the kids feel comfortable there, it it won't be just oh let's go and skate the park, but it'll be let's go and explore around the. Um, uh, in Ramallah and skate all around, um, all around town. Exactly. Yeah, and you need a, you, it's like you kind of need a little bit of skill level to, to be able to go out and street skating yeah. and feel, you know, not totally overwhelmed. Exactly. Plus, even not only for that, it also provides the way you can also train yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah for the sure. Streets also, even if you skate spots in the street, like sometimes you go back to the park, try the rail or like hubble or something uh, yeah. to break that fear. Break the ice in the street. Yeah, sure. It's kind of like a perfect environment. Exactly. Own your your yeah. skill or craft I, or whatever you want to call it. Yes. All right. So, I mean, you guys are planning on handing this thing over to Aram and the locals down the road. Um, I mean, what led you to that decision? And, and was that something you had in mind from the start? Pass the torch, bro. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a good question. I, right at the beginning, I mean, I suppose I wasn't really thinking that we'd be in this position now five years on um, it was more kind of uh, let's see what the response is from the kids um, but I didn't really know like anything about you know starting an NGO or like managing anything or like doing skate classes I just thought it would be something like fun which it was <laughs> but <laughs> for a bit for a bit no <laughs> I mean and it is, it is uh, obviously fun but after the, the enthusiasm is there and, and it, it grows you kind of feel right you have like a duty to kind of sure to, yeah yeah to continue yeah definitely. and it's not always been easy but um i mean i think every time that like things get difficult i just think back to the first year where it was like me and jack and our friends and aram and Atham and me and sam skating plaza like every night fucking days. and it was like the best times ever it was like <laughs> You're like, this is really easy running a skate. Yeah, yeah. Just go skate a plaza every night. It was it's so much fun. Um, and I mean, like, that's going to happen again and like a lot more in the future. Sure. And it's just a question of like and making it happen. I can't wait to go back home. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's ironic that you talk about like, you know, growing, uh, building parks and, you know, us not being that into parks and stuff. But like once we have a park in Ramallah, that uh, skate scene is going to explode. Mm, it's guess. just it's just waiting for it. Yeah. 
hundred percent. Everyone's waiting for it. Everyone just asked been asking for skates in the skate park. Everyone said even when when skate park like built that one in Asira. After like actually last summer when I back went back home, like people were saying like, why did you guys build this one in Asira, not in Ramallah or like in a in a city in the center of the city to make it better? But the the I always answer because I have I've asked the same question when I met Charlie like why are you doing this? And he was I actually wanted to do it in refugee camps and and like villages outside of the cities. To actually bring the hope, like not the hope, but actually giving the chance for the ones that would really appreciate skateboarding as it is. Sure, and and based on my very limited time there, I mean the experience of living in Ramallah is is much different than the experience exactly. of living in the villages. And everyone's have different effects from the occupation in Ramallah or Bethlehem or Nablus or any city. It's different. I think that's that's quite a good point to bring up in that obviously you can see a place like Jayus skateboarding has much more of an of an immediate and um direct benefit to the kids there because of their situation and because of of the the, the extent of which skateboarding can allow them to sort of exit their like daily life exactly. which is quite hard and in Ramallah which is like a bit more middle class yeah um a bit more wealthy uh, on paper you could say well like why do we need to build a park here because there are skate spots and there are like things to do if, if you want to and also uh, potentially the occupation doesn't affect it as directly as, as, as other in places but if you really want to build a scene in a country you need to have like the the, 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 the hub of Palestine is, is Ramallah and then Bethlehem to an extent but like a lot of it is in, it, like, is in Ramallah so if you build a skate park there and really focus on the scene in Ramallah uh, which you could argue doesn't need as much as other places, then it's going to expand and it's going to like go to the to, to, to the to the other towns, and more importantly, it's going to go to the other towns, not from internationals but from local skaters. From locals, exactly. It's the butterfly effect. It's the butterfly effect that happens from the local skate scene going out because we could, as we said, uh, we could like replicate the Asira model a hundred times, like once a year for the next hundred years around like villages in the West Bank, but you might not ever reach the point of having a skate scene that is connected as much. Thriving skate scene. You need to do it in like in centers of uh, of population so that people come in and see it. People from other villages come in and see it. Say, oh, how do we get a board? Bring it back. The kids get interested. Mm-hmm. And then and then gradually people are doing DIY spots and are building their own spots and you have like a skate scene and you don't really have a need for this international group to come in and give kids a skate park because they already have skateboarding. True. But at the moment a skate park is the door into skateboarding, whereas in five years' time, it, it won't be the door. It'll, <coughs> it'll be just like, oh, we'll meet at the park just to meet up. It'll just be one element of... Just be one element. And like, and as you said before, like neither of us, well, like, I, like Aram, Theo, or, or, or myself, don't really enjoy skating skate parks as much as actual street, street skating. Spots. Exactly. But, I mean, I also do skate skate parks a lot as, as, as well and meet, pe- and, and meet people there. Um, and it's, I mean, even though it, it doesn't have to be the most in, important aspect of our work, but it still is like one of the of of, of the parts in order to get kids involved into it, True. and to give like a, a space for, for for boys and and for girls to get involved. Because mm-hmm. I suppose I, I again like for a guy skating on, on the street, it, it's it's okay, but for, for a girl potentially, if you're seen by like loads of people skating in a in like a street spot, there's a lot more 
and pressure on you. And it's, it's a bit more difficult than it is for a guy because it's kind of um, something which is not expected, I suppose even less so in Ramallah. But I mean, yeah. that's, that's true all over the world still. Yeah, I think people really like underestimate the extent at which the general public just sees this as kind of like spending time playing in trash and <laughs> on dirty streets, you know? Yeah, and you, you get vagrants. a big crowd following you. Like, yeah, if especially there. Streets getting in Palestine, so that's an extra intimidating environment, even more so than streets getting anywhere else in the world. Yeah, I think it's also really key with that as as well with the, you know, yeah, we're like if we we could we could work for a hundred years and build parks in tiny little villages all over the West Bank, and like you say, that that work would never be finished because there are so many villages in the West Bank. But it would be it would kind of be the easy model for an NGO in that it would be very easy to keep asking people for money, for example, because you'd be like, oh, cool, we're going to benefit this tiny little village that you've never heard of. People love to give money to that sort of cell, but it's quite hard a sell to be like, oh, we're trying to make a skate scene. Like people don't really know or, yeah. or care about giving money to make a scene. They want to give money to like a specific concrete Yeah, something entity. that's tangible. Yeah, a ten- tangible thing. And especially if that tangible thing is remote and involves young children and like sort of these sort of things it's an easier it's an easier sell but it's so it's i think it's like quite well it's just good that you've like had that in your head to you know this needs to be a sustainable thing that we need to not be here mm. for this to be a success because well, yeah it's like an ephemeral project like it's just yeah. our goal is to create a skate scene and then hand it over to the locals and they can kind of take it from there exactly. or, or build skate shops right or yeah. Exactly. Cause I mean, you, you could get essentially, yeah. If we've been there, if if, if we're still there, uh, in the form that we are currently, in like six years' time, then we failed, sure. essentially, yeah. because you, because you haven't been thinking about how are we going to pass it over and create a scene. You've been thinking how are we going to like maintain ourselves in the status quo so that we still have things to do in the country. Well, yeah. exactly, which, yeah. Which is like, and, and obviously there's obstacles to, to that, and it's not easy, um, and that's why like everything rests on Aram's shoulders and if he messes up oh, yeah, yeah, that, 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 yeah. Leads, that leads me to my next question the was, pressure right was, yeah yeah it's like so I mean what kind of pressure does that put on you Aram because for the most most lots of the last lots, four years I mean you've been in <laughs> spark it up all right so yeah, yeah, sp- since we're speaking about pressure oh, hold on let me let me restate that anxiety. question real quick like no, speaking. no, no, no. We got to, we got to take that. Where's the pressure? Cut this, Ted. Cut it. All right. So, all right. I mean, what kind of pressure does that put on you, Aram? Because for most of the last four years, I mean, you've been in university in Tunisia, and uh, a lot has happened in Palestine in the last four years, right? Yeah. Lot, lots, and lots have happened. Back home. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Lots of pressure, bro. <laughs> I mean, it's not easy he's quivering under the pressure <laughs> yeah it's not easy to go from being every day hanging out with the guys and just skating and teaching kids how to skate to immediately just go somewhere else and stay for college and study but also really wanting to be home skating and teaching kids and trying to help out the skate scene because i felt as soon as i left i was as soon, like the time that I was in Tunis, the four years, I felt like those four years were the, like, I don't know how to say it, like, they funded, like, I don't 
designed formed formed exactly formed formed a really good base for escape out to be in the future like those four years that happened they, like escape out grew so much in four years and I wasn't there almost every time like in the four years because I was in Tunis which kind of sucked yeah but I mean you're getting an education which is which kind of cool but man I want to really skate I mean yeah it's valuable <laughs> though it's valuable I'm True. Education is good. <laughs> Stay in school, kids. Don't do drugs. <laughs> But skating is better. So the pressure is that this is the f for no like I never worked in NGO. I never been a part in an NGO. You have. You just haven't realized it. You've been a part of an NGO for ages. <laughs> I've been. Yeah, but I didn't work like paperwork and like really sustaining. Yeah, but, but it's not all paperwork. It's not. I'm not saying say paperwork. No, I'm not saying paperwork. No, no. Okay, you got me wrong. I'm saying like they're really just because I can't lie and say ah okay now it's it's gonna be pressure, but it's like no, it's, the pressure also comes from how big and how good and how what's good that stands for skate and how Charlie and Theo did a lot of great job that got skate to this point that we're at now. And they're thinking of handing every, things over, like passing the torch for me, which is a big, heavy torch that I have to sustain a certain height for it while walking and give it to the pass it to the other skater that is going to come after me. So I really need to be focusing on how the journey of that torch is going to be to the next skater give it to me, like take it from me. Well, and I think Charlie spoke to this, but it's like, you know, that doesn't, it doesn't come all at once. It happens in stages and you just, you know, you, like Theo said, you've been working for an NGO, you know, you just don't realize that you're an advocate and an ambassador and a huge inspiration to a lot of skaters in Palestine. And so, you know, the, the, the logistical side of things will come later and you'll you'll figure it out as you go in the same way that they figured it out you know you start with the passion and you work on the project and eventually you know you're uh sending 30 emails a day <laughs> on a good day <laughs> you never skate again yeah, and you never skate again and it's great, i mean, it would, no, I mean it, it would be like it would be wrong and also um not fair to be like aram you just be me now Because I mean, obviously, you can never do like the things like in, in our in our position and like in the place that we work. You're not in that position, so you're not able to do that stuff. Yeah. Likewise, we're not in your position, and we're not able to do what you can do. So it's not so much we're just like giving you stuff and we're stepping away, but it's more that you're adding to the team. Yeah. And so I suppose we have been speaking in in terms of like passing things over. Um, I suppose um. Partly because that is the NGO sort of discourse of like you know passing things over, but in reality it's not going to be, oh here's the here's this spreadsheets here's the issues here's here's all the accounts see you later, it's going <laughs> to be here here's what we do now like you can fit in here and you can like grow it from here and you can do what you want but we're not like we're not stepping away we're basically like wanting to give you like room to do things as you see fit because we're not we're not from the country and like our Like what we can do goes to a certain extent, but it only goes to a certain extent, and it's not like it's not our place to be like this is this is what skateboarding in Palestine is, because we're just there to be like, do you know what a skateboard is? Yeah. It's pretty fun. Like have a shot and see what happens. And every country in the world has their own scene, and it's been 
introduced by someone or by one thing but it's the people of the country that, that like have their own have their own scene and style and that's what makes it interesting i mean who really wants to see like uk skating like is the same as palestine skating no people want to see like skating from palestine they don't want to see us and the uk skating but at the same time like, we're really happy to, to be able to be in a position to be able to assist you in doing that and then you can actually take it in like a direction because until now we're not really moving in like a new direction we're just we're just like trying to get things available and going and open for people no i mean i'm really excited bro to just step up and see what's up with everything hmm. How's i'm really excited to do a lot of things i got a lot of ideas too to start like not ideas not ideas it's like things i would fucking love to do in my own city DIY spots, graffiti, or anything for the, that kind of skateboarding kind of never did. Because I only yeah. skated for a couple of years and went came to Tunis. And I'm just going back. And I, I feel like I'm going back fresh. That's great. Like yeah, that's a good feeling. I think that's good. And, and also, like, you've, like, you deserve this, this position that you've been in. Because every moment that you're able to come back and, like, help out and, and do stuff, like, you do. Like, you can tell from, from all the years that you've been in, in uh, Tunisia. Obviously, like, Theo and me, we've been like, we really hope that, like, Aram is, like, up for heading back and, 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 like, continuing, like, what he's been doing. And, like, we were hoping that it would happen. But, obviously, we weren't, like, he has to do it. We're, like, we hope he does. If he doesn't, that that's fine and he can do it yeah. once. But now being in that position of going, like, we're hanging out with you here now and you're, like, I'm so excited to do it. I mean, that's a pretty special moment <laughs> in any kind of, like, journey that we all have to have, like, to have someone really want to do, like, like what what all of us are like uh, say wish is going to happen and they're working uh, towards mm. uh, and recognizing the fact that it's not going to be e like easy for you because we've been doing this for like six years and basically like making mistakes for six years until we kind of like work out how not to do it really badly <laughs> <laughs> because we don't have like any experience before either uh, but I mean basically all you need to be doing this is having the right attitude which you have uh, and being connected with with the skate scene which you are um and i mean yeah it's not a question of i have to do x y and z by a certain time and do this and, and do that and do that you'll know how it is like when you get there is and i know it's hard to imagine how it's going to be like now in this position as like i couldn't imagine doing this now when i was like right at the beginning but you, you'll find that it, it, it comes and you've got a large network of people like for example, all of us in this room, if you've got anything to ask, you just like hit us all up. We're like, all right, guys, what do you reckon? And that's the and that's the, the whole point of skateboarding, like that we celebrate is True. is that is that those connections, and that's going to be there. How how did it feel like when you're away for this like four years in Tunis? Obviously, you felt like you things were happening without you. Like, how did it feel like from from a distance? Like, obviously, so much of our work is like promoting Palestine through social media. So, you know, what, what does it feel like when you're watching the social media come out of Palestine of like this new park being built or this pro skater visiting or whatever, or, you know, other things like that and you're, and you're not there? Feels shit, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like it, feels, it feels like you, when you were in the middle of all these things happening and as soon as things happen, you're away. And you always see it grows. And, you know, if you were there, that you might also grow more for yourself and the scene itself like i don't know it just feels shit that i 
was in Tunis. I mean, like the first two years, I was just feeling really crappy about it. And always talking to Charlie, I remember like, bro, I'm sorry that I'm Tunis. Like, I really want to be past that. He was like, you don't have to be sorry. You're going to college, but I mean, like, yeah. bro, I want to work. And I want to <laughs> teach kids. I want to skate. I don't. I feel like I'm. Yeah, but you. The can, longer I've been in Tunis, the longer I'm like, feel like I'm going apart from skating. But you really need that. I mean, especially at like that age, you you have to yeah. leave home to really understand and appreciate what you have at home. You know? Yeah, true. And maybe I, I, can, I, can t- I can tell in the, the pain in your voice when you talk about when we were watching the documentary earlier, how, how much you miss Palestine. And yeah, it's, it's like you wouldn't feel that way. You, you might take it for granted if, if you had just been there the last four years, you know, yeah. or you might be <laughs> dying to get out of there. True. I would, yeah, that. I, I mean, but yeah. it says a lot that every year like you feel the same and now you have like a position that you're finishing. You're like, yeah my opinion is still the same i want to go back yeah well, fuck yeah I want to go so back. like that like speaks a lot about how much you're like dedicated to doing it it speaks a lot about how much you've been great for this cause of skateboarding scene in Palestine. like if you guys didn't help that much and you just like built the skate park and went out like didn't come back we would skate but it wasn't wouldn't give us hope and really seeking future of skateboarding in Palestine we just like said ah okay we're just gonna skate this and that's it and actually because we don't have we, there's no skate shops there there's no way you can get a skateboard unless someone went out of Palestine and you or the other side actually in the 48s land but except that you guys opened a window and a door actually to a lot of potential to happen for this skate scene to actually be here. Yeah, and I got to say, I mean, like this whole approach is incredibly refreshing because it's so symbolic of skate culture at large, which is just, there's so much that is so stale in, in skating and because power is so entrenched in just a few companies and uh, media outlets. And so you just, it, and people are so stubborn to relinquish any of that power. and it's so nice to hear you guys kind of talk about like no hopefully in 10 years like it'll be gone and then aram says the same thing he's like yeah hopefully in six years from now some kid from one of the villages ends up taking over skate pal you know and because that's how it stays fresh and current and and radical and you know what i mean like all these things that we hope and, and want out of skateboarding it's like you recognize that of yourself and i'm speaking for myself included is that like I'm not going to know what's best for for 18-year-old skaters when I'm a 40-year-old guy. Exactly. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. kick me out of here. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, uh, it's about sharing. Yeah, in the same way that, like, we don't know, like, we know how to, well, we, we didn't know how to start a scene until we accidentally did, like, do it, but we don't know how to, like, continue it, and, 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 and like, we, we can't be the ones to, to do that because we're not... Like, you never can. Well, and the best, the, the best, yeah. the best thing that you can do as someone who's uh, spent a life that's rich from skating is, is create a space for others to find that. You know, and in, in Palestine, like they don't have that opportunity, and like I've experienced that with skate after school. It's like for these kids that don't have access to skateboarding, you got to create the space for them. Because I mean, I was fortunate enough to just be given a skateboard by my brother. But not every kid's that fortunate. And some people don't have skate shops and they don't have skate parks. So, 
you know, I think that you have to kind of recognize that, all right, the best thing that I can do is just is, is build that space. I mean, okay, another, another question I had was, I mean, when I was there, I noticed that there were a few girls skating in Palestine that I met. And uh, I mean, what more can you say about encouraging girls and young women in the West Bank to pursue skateboarding? Uh, <clears throat> this is a nice topic. Well, just small information. I was mostly raised by my mother and my sister. My father was traveling a lot in my life. So I was really learned, like I was taught to really respect women and not being driven by the culture that we, we're in. Because the culture that we live in back in Palestine is really different than, I guess, for sure, Europe and America, USA. And skateboarding somehow magically breaks the tension and the whole stereotypes and thoughts about girls and boys not being in the same space or like playing like together or like having fun at growing that i mean the skate scene is still incredibly small there obviously but um there you know there's uh malik was is the 15 year old girl there that's skating right yeah malik malik she's skating she's like shredding. every night yeah she's, she's like good looking at her instagram story she's just like out every night on her own like street skating yeah yeah she's, in Ramallah. she's going street yeah. skating yeah she's actually because there's no skate park till now in Ramallah. yeah she has to go to street and like she, is did. she like just skating by herself yeah i mean she has a few mates who skate as well but most most of the time what i see on her instagram no, she is actually out like, on her own. She's, she's out on her own and actually like her friends are asking sometimes like why are you skating yeah and she's like I don't know. Not I don't know, but like this thing give, makes me f feel happy. Sure. And it's so fun that I can skate with it. And even sometimes that the, her friends like she posts some stories on Instagram. And I read like one time, her friend told her to come out and go out with us, but don't bring your skateboard. And she's oh. like, I'm, I'm not going out without my skateboard. And I guess I see you later. And oh. I was like, Oh, <laughs> damn, bro, my yeah. leg, you good. Amazing. Like she was like, yeah, fuck you. I want to go skate. Yeah, we got to give a Amazing. huge shout out to her, man. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. post post a video of her on the Instagram because that is just the most but inspiring thing I've ever heard. She always posts pictures and skate. And yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, we definitely put a lot of energy into trying to get the the girls' skate scene off the ground in in Palestine. Like we try and make sure that we have as equally weighted female and male volunteers in Palestine at any one time, as much as we can. It's, it's still difficult for a small organization like us, but we, we try as much as possible to have it uh, equally weighted so that, you know, there's, there's people for the female skaters to be inspired by and to learn from and to form connections with. And that is obviously super key to like the classes and, and the skate scene developing in general. Um, and ho hopefully as like skate pole grows its profile we can get more female skaters over to volunteer and that will help inspire more young girls in palestine i mean like as as you said ryan it's it's kind of easier coming in at the beginning of a skate scene because you don't have all the cultural baggage sure. for the past like 60 years of what skateboarding has been exactly and people are like oh like what's this new thing and then at the beginning we're like right this is this is for like boys boys and, and girls. girls and so they get involved and so people don't see it as something weird because it's more of 
I suppose they would class it more as a hobby than like a, a than than a sport. Yeah, it's more of like more like yo-yo than exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's more like something which is like oh, okay. Yeah, like, you, you don't have to be like a man to do this. Anyone can do it. You just have to be athletic and balanced yeah. for it. But but but, but, but I mean, at the same time, it's quite it's quite interesting to be doing it now when when like it's an Olympic sport. Uh, because you obviously have the angle of like, well, it's just a hobby that like all the boys and girls here are, are doing, but also it is an Olympic sport. And I mean, I think for better or for worse, I mean, that is, um, uh, well, I mean, we can use, this, like we, can, we can use the term sport loosely. Like, cause yeah. I mean, there's things like curling in the Olympics and yeah. <laughs> a competitive <laughs> yeah. thing to do. Yeah. Well, I think like that's going to help as well. Um, it's sort of like like making it seen as like hey, it's something. No, it's gonna like, help. It's gonna help fun to lot. do, but also it's something which is done competitively all over the world, which is maybe not like the soul of of, of skating that we're like all like in love with. The kind of like not the competitive side, but the more the, the for the community side. Mm. But 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 people are seeing there that it's not just something that happens in like L.A., but it happens all over the world. So I think that aspect of having it in the Olympics would have like a beneficial effect. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it's been that's been hugely controversial, and we talked about that on our first episode with, when Kristen interviewed Alex, and we have kind of differing views about the Olympics in general. But you know, it's here, it's coming, and I think that you just kind of have to take it for for what it's worth. And not everyone's going to participate in the Olympics, and it's only going to elevate a few, you know, a few skaters and. You know, but that being said, it's going to introduce skating on a global stage and grow the whatever you want to call it, sport or activity, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah. and you can you can take that and run with it. It's a, it's a bit of a paradox for an organization like us because on a personal level, I think myself and Charlie, you know, we couldn't give a shit about the Olympics and we'd sure, rather, yeah, as we'd a, rather yeah. as as, as a an skate, event, yeah, yeah, as an event, but also just as a skateboarder on a personal level, I'd rather it didn't happen. Yeah, but as someone who works for an NGO deals with skateboarding I'm really glad that it's happening because I think and hope that it will open up like for instance funding avenues for small organizations like ourselves or help to legitimize what we do both at home for for us in the UK but also within Palestine I think yeah that's a very important yeah. issue it'll be more acceptable as a thing to do in past somewhere than it's already now yeah. Yeah. it's a sport official sport right now yeah and i think i think you can you, you know walk and chew gum at the same time like you can criticize the the way <laughs> that the olympics is going to treat skateboarding and abuse it and uh you know the way that the olympics in general kind of d destroys cities but at the same time recognize that like okay well it's going to give a platform to our sport and and we can take that and and shape it into our own mm. And especially because in the Olympics you have to have a male and a female team. Yeah. So that that is that that's kind of quite a good aspect of the of the Olympics. Mm. How do you, how do you see it unfolding around? Because so for instance, obviously you haven't been there so much the past few years, like since the Olympics was announced. So in a, in Palestine, we're getting a lot of like people asking us like to uh, enter enter yeah to help them get into the Olympics and enter the Olympic team. I'm 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 really psyched. I was. I even thought you, you, I'll be ready for 2020. I was going to say, <laughs> we were going to wait not. to announce this, but Aram, you're going to be on the Olympic team. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. But, so but for 2024, for sure. <laughs> no, no, but, yeah. but for instance, for us as internationals in Palestine, it's great that the Olympics is happening so that we can get funding to help our programs. 
but it also comes with uh, sort of baggage in that people then also look to us to help get their kids into the Olympics. So people then think that, okay, cool, you're running skateboarding in the country, you're going to get my kid into the skateboarding team now that skateboarding's in the Olympics. Well, yeah, but, but it's, it's like the Olympic mindset that's toxic. Yeah, so, <laughs> but obviously we're not from Palestine. We can't, we're not allowed to put anyone into the Olympics because we don't represent the country. We're just a charity. So like, how do you, you know, would you, like, is that something that you're interested in? Helping, helping kids get into the Olympics and like... How can I not be interested in that, bro? I mean, that's, that's a really good question. Was, no, yeah. That's great. No, I'm really... No, right. I All would, the people that email us will send... <laughs> you can take them okay. and get them into the Olympics. <laughs> no, I, I would <laughs> really... Your job. No. <laughs> my, my, like, I think my, 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 like, the best time of my life is going to be when I'm 35 and just seeing some kid that I've taught for the past, I don't know, 10 years. And, like, I've saw him start skateboarding and got to the point where he's in it, actually trying it out in the Olympics. I really want to get mm. in that point when I feel like oh, I passed my shit, I've done my shit, and I've taught so many kids skateboarding that I could like I contributed in a couple like in a small fraction of their life, which I think I would make it better for them, and would give them my perspective on how skateboarding really affected me. Because, like for me, when I started skateboarding. I thank God I was lucky enough to meet you guys. But since we now we have this thing now in Palestine, I think more kids will be lucky too, I guess. What do you think you'd be doing now if you, if you didn't skateboard? If I didn't have to start skateboarding? If I didn't ever skateboard? You mean? If, if you never like, picked up a skateboard, ever? Ever. Say you picked up a scooter instead. <laughs> Fuck no, 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 I would never. I would never pick up a scooter. I don't know actually. I don't. I would be lost studying something I don't really like, getting in a work that I don't really even fucking like, and just know that I'm trapped in a life that I don't want to be in. What would you say? I just feel right to be living this way. What would you say? Not life. like now in your position is your like your your dream job or your dream thing to do. Actually, yeah, I would say like I'm lucky enough. To work something that I really love, and I love doing. This is the first thing that I told you when I met you. I was like, "Is there anything that I could help?" And just like, "Can you teach? The, like, can can you help me teach the kids?" And just being <laughs> translations. I was like, "Yeah," and I went home and told my parents, "Like, I think I found something that I love to work in." And they were like, "Great, you found something to love. Like, you love something, and you're gonna work in something that you love, so you're gonna be good at it." And that's the mindset that I had since I started until now. And I just see it when you guys talk to me or talk to you or like you guys or me, anyone in the world that I see that I have something that not really was in me without skateboarding. Um, how, what do your parents think about skateboarding? Like how has their view changed since when you started skating almost like five, six years ago to now and you're going to come back to Palestine and essentially have what we hope is going to be like a full-time job, uh, you know, working with Skate Power, like how's their, how's their view changed over the years? Or has it changed? Well, of course it changed. Everything changed. As a kid growing up, I used to do a lot of things and 
ditch on them huh? like ditch 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 them like i would tell my parents oh, i want to go to football team i want to start a football team i want to go training i want to be the football star and i want to go to europe and play with barcelona and start the like be the football academy or some shit <laughs> and just ditch after one month or two months well like stop the classes stop the classes and just like not not classes they didn't but training or whatever you're just like yeah the whole idea just ditch on it but they thought that i gonna do the same in skateboarding when i started skating uh So it a bit was like you're gonna go out and fuck yourself and just like jump on stairs and shit and come back every time and fucked up just for something they can ditch after two months. So it was a bit hard for me to really get in. And I was like, no, I'm not gonna ditch this. This is the only thing that I love. And I just found out that I love. And it was a bit hard at first like to show them that I'm not gonna ditch it. It was the idea of showing them, but it's not that. I'm just aware that I don't have just to show them, them that you had the commitment to it. Yeah, but I didn't. Yeah, but as soon as I was aware that I'm gonna show them, I stopped showing them because I already had the commitment. So, anyways, as as soon as I just started skating and got into it and never stopped, they were supported. Like they support me every in everything that I do. They were just like supportive parents. Like I'm lucky to have the best people. Shout out to my mom and my dad. Love you guys. You, but. I mean, skateboarding, when you, when you, when you do something like, I don't know, they, they saw that wasn't a thing that we had. It wasn't something new. I what was did, doing it with lots of love. And What did they think when you first introduced him to Charlie? Uh, I don't know. They liked him. Somehow they saw something good in them. Somehow. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> I didn't even like I didn't like try to tell them how much Charlie meant to me because they saw I went every time from morning till late night just skating with Charlie and just teaching kids that they're going back home. Like, yeah, we taught the kids today. It was so fun. We skated. We went there and there and it was sick. And yeah, I just saw it, like how he affected my life as soon as he found out about Charlie. It's super rad how, but also a little concerning for parents how skateboarding also just kind of defies any sort of age gap. Mm. Like you can be a, a 20, I don't know how old you were, but you could be like a 22-year-old guy from Scotland who's like skating with a 16-year-old Palestinian kid and it's just, you know, or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah, what is the age gap? 11 years? Yes, 11 I'm, years. I'm, I'm 32 and you're 21. Yeah. Is it? So 11 years. 11 so, years. so when you met? So you were, how old? You were 16, so I was about 25 when we yeah. met yeah it's it's weird because also like in, in any other context I wouldn't hang out with like 15 and 16 year olds when I was 25 but in skating it was just the most like natural thing there's no age in skateboarding I guess there's never have been an issue of age especially when there's no other skaters to hang out with you, you especially yeah you, but you, I, you I mean even that yeah. like you, you don't but even I, I like I traveled a bit and I've never had an issue of age like there's no not having age but there's skateboarding defines every aspect of life doesn't really like you see it like it doesn't mean like doesn't mean anything if you're gay you're not gay you're straight you're not straight you're a girl you're a boy you're an old man you're a small guy i don't know like, defines every single motherfucking thing in the fucking life yeah Skateboarding is just a great You learned thing. that a lot quicker than I did. <laughs> yeah. No, skateboarding really defines everything. Like, it's just skateboarding. Like, there's life, there's death, 
They're skateboarding. <laughs> you can do both. You can do both. Like skate, um, like, you can skate and you can die. <laughs> and you can die with your skate. Like it's, it's not. Like, so it's, it's not skate or die. It's skate and die. Mm. No, it's skate or die, or skate and well, die. <laughs> <laughs> so ha- and and so, how do your parents feel now? Like when you chat to them about like, you know, uh, ha- no. have you told them that you're coming back in the summer? You're gonna be working yeah. full time with skate power, like. I'm really open with my family about my skateboarding things. <laughs> like, because it's my life. So, like, I just feel that it's gonna be my like. I've been, for the past three years, I just don't know if I'm gonna live without skateboarding. Maybe I've been blessed and how I really had the chance to really aware, to be aware of this thing but i mean they're like they see that i'm just fucking excited to go back home and start doing projects and every time i have a idea i, I tell my mom sure and i'm see, i'm sure they see how it connects with the youth too yeah that's big they never, no, they they never know, it's not it's not like hey i want to make like a skate video with my friends it's like look at these kids in the villages learning how to skateboard and what it's doing for them exactly Do they ever have they ever pressured you to like you know, you know, get a normal job when when you finish university and this sort of thing, or like, you know, what what did you talk about with them before before this idea of like working for skate power came up? Like, what did you think you would do after university, or what did they what did they think you, you would do, or um, or did did you just try not to think? Well, about my it dad, no, I I always thought about that. Like, I always thought about, but if I didn't have the chance that I have now, and go back and work with skate power and like have. An income some sort of have and just work on other things too if i have the chance to but i mean I th- you think about a lot of stuff growing up especially in my age i guess because somehow as soon as you finish college and go back home i feel like that's my life like i'm done with the being taken care of my for my family like i'm lucky enough to like i have my parents to send me money and to help me to live, if I have found work, I found. But my dad never pushed me to do something that I wouldn't be good at. It. He would always try to tell me, "Yeah, you're good at this. How about you try this?" And somehow, like pushing me, what like he where he wants to, because he knows that's safe, and he like he wants the best things for me. But I, I think they just saw how much skateboarding means to me. And they've seen it since I started until now, and just they really understand. And actually, last year I think they really understood how much skateboarding means to me. And they actually like talk to me and try like, oh yeah, how ska-? they try now to ask how my life of skateboarding is, because they know that's just all my like it's my life. Yeah, they do it in the way that parents know how, which my yeah, parents exactly. do the same thing. It's like they know that it means so much to you, but they don't know how to speak the language. And it's, Just, yeah, it's super it's, endearing. You feel about, you also feel like they're trying yeah, to reach out. Sure. Just like, trying yeah, to connect exactly. with you and because they know how much it... And this means a lot to me. Yeah. I feel like if I got my my mom and my dad and my sister like behind my back, and that's all I need. There you go. That's sick. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, so, all right, I had another question. I, I mean, there's a so so there's a burgeoning skate scene in Gaza right now that's totally unassociated with the work you guys are doing in the West Bank. Um, but 
Has there been any communication with those skaters or any attempt to try and support them? Yeah, for sure. So we yeah. first found out about the skaters and girls. Uh, I don't know how, but you found out, but we found out just from Facebook, just a video popping up, I think. Phil saw it or something. Um, Maybe we should take a step back, actually, and just kind of explain to people who might not be familiar. I mean, so Gaza is completely disconnected from the West Bank. What do you want to say about that? Aram? Aram? Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't really know the count, like the basic shit, what happens, (laughs) I'm just being honest. Like for all of you that really don't have any clue or even some knowledge I'm really asking to really try to find out also not just from this podcast to write like go search this shit no I mean this podcast is not the place to find out about the Israel Palestine <laughs> I'm not saying but, no, yeah, no yeah, I'm yeah, saying no, the comfortable encourage- like I'm just like to everyone like every skater sure, that is yeah. hearing I mean this things you should be aware of not because I'm not from there also but you should be aware of this and any other conflict that happened outside of the country and really accepting the idea that people may have lived worse or better than you. And that's how life is in the whole world. Yeah. And I've just had this chance to also just like say this. So, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Ha- and have empathy for those people. Yeah. As simply as you can paraphrase that, what is what does it look like on the ground, the disconnect between Gaza and the West Bank? It is so disconnected. Okay. So the idea is like they split us, divide us, occupation. That's what he did. So we have Palestinians living in the 1948 lands and the 1967 lands, which are part of the what's so-called Israel. And there's Gaza Strip and there's the West Bank. And as a Palestinian who lives in the West Bank, I can never, ever go to Gaza Strip unless I need a permit. And I've never been there because you just simply can't. Like, I'm lucky enough to also to move outside of the West Bank, but not in Palestine. But for the Gaza Strip, the, everyone who lives in Gaza Strip can't leave Gaza Strip. So it must be thrilling for you all that there is, especially you, Aram. That it's fucking to, exciting, bro. They have fucking skateboarding. There. Yeah, to see skateboarding blossom yeah. there. Sorry for, yeah, but yeah. No, it's, um, no need to um, apologize. This is a... Uh, as soon as, so I... I've, you guys said you saw the video on Facebook. I saw it on Instagram somehow. Someone, I don't know, reposted it on a story or something. I just clicked it and I found it. Yeah, and we'll repost this video. It's a kid doing a blunt fakie at a small skate park that mm. people built in Gaza. You know, before blunt, they just had their skate park. Oh, just the video of the skate park. Yeah, and they were skating it on Instagram. Anyways, I was fucking psyched. I, oh, like, we talk to each other like there's a fucking skate park in Gaza and there's skating people like there's skateboarding real skateboarding and what's the backstory of how that skate park got built um, um, that was b- built yeah. by some Italian volunteers who aren't affiliated with any specific NGO um, as far as we understand been trying to piece the story together because they don't speak English and we don't speak Italian um, they went over last summer so 2018 and built a skate park and then left and these kids have been skating ever since and we only just found out about it quite recently um but we're trying to connect the two scenes in the west bank and gaza as much as possible see if we can get some equipment over from the west bank and take it to gaza 
through someone who has a visa permit to go to Gaza. But you guys have been chatting a lot, haven't you? Um, we have been chatting a lot. There's a skater called Rajab from there, and he's and he reach out and ask if there's any way that we can help them send skate like skateboards, decks, or grip tapes, or trucks, or wheels, or anything. And it's really hard to find a way to find someone to like get the stuff from the West Bank to Gaza. Having in mind that the Israeli occupation might take it, or like even ask why you're doing this and get the person who's holding the shit in trouble or problem. We haven't figured out, but as soon as I figure out how I can help them, I'm gonna not figure out how, I already know how to, but just to do it. And it's really hard to do it since I'm in Tunis and I can't wait to go back home to fucking do it. Like I've been missing out a lot of things that I wanna do because I'm in Tunis. Yeah. I've been missing, like I can do a lot of shit when I'm there more than I can do from outside. And that's how I was aware that I want to go back home. I don't want to go out and help Palestine from being just living outside of Palestine. Sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So, I mean, what I was going to go with the standard, you know, what are the ways people can support Skate Pal? But Kristen threw me this this uh, this question, which I think is even more interesting. What are common ways people try to help the org but aren't helpful? <laughs> and then we can segue into what is actually helpful because wow, I know brilliant well, Kristen runs a nonprofit really and good. I run a nonprofit, so this is something you kind of run into a lot. Um, but I thought that was kind of an, an interesting question. Well, some examples um, you get a lot of emails from people that want to uh, donate things to um help you out and it it it's all from uh, from a good place but sometimes sure. yeah it's super humbling the stuff is just not going to be useful at all yeah um i suppose like that's an example of things which aren't particularly useful but i mean that's not like a it doesn't happen all that much yeah i mean a lot of it's like you know people who want to donate like toy skateboards or 100 pairs of shoes that we logistically can't even or clothes which aren't like really like that much of a good idea to be yeah, donating like a t-shirt because like inherently it's not like a good idea to just to like give away free clothes i suppose uh yeah we try we try to like foster an environment where people don't expect free stuff from visiting volunteers but they kind of <clears throat> like they they just have access to use what what they need and have access to like buy something and own it you know for cheap like you know buy a skateboard for a price that's achievable for someone living in palestine and then they can take ownership and you know look after it and use it and pass it to their friends but if you give out free stuff then it kind of sends the wrong message uh i guess but yeah a lot of people want to donate like loads and loads of pairs of shoes which is just logistically a bit of a nightmare to take to palestine in our suitcases and even if we did then you wouldn't have the right sizes for all of the kids at the skate park yeah. anyway uh what else i'm sure there's more funny examples than the ones we've given yeah people donating like ah 10 quid rather than like a thousand pounds that's ah, kind of yeah, annoying. that's really <laughs> <laughs> just don't raise yeah, much money i've got a good one to be honest all the things which aren't that helpful have all 
sort of originated from a good place. Sure. So there's not like it's which it's means most, that you've got a supporter out there. Yeah, and I mean like, and, w- and when we speak to them, we're like, oh, actually, that's not that useful. They're like, oh, like on the whole, okay, I understand, but um, I wanted to like see if it if it could have helped you. Sure. Um, so it's more sort of humorous than stressful, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. Okay. It's nice that people care. Yeah. And so what are, what are some real ways that people can support and maybe include talking about the skate pile volunteer experience, which is a, a totally intense experience from what I've heard and amazing. Yeah. So, um, there's, there's lots of ways that you can help, um, skate pile. If you skate, the best way to help is to sign up to be a volunteer, just click on the volunteer page on our website. Um, and we run one or two month placements for volunteers throughout the year from March to October each year uh, at our skate parks and different locations around the West Bank uh, teaching kids. If you don't skate, the most useful ways to help is to donate through our website or run a fundraising event, Mm -hmm. um, spread the word, just share our social media page at SkatePal, these sorts of things. Um, Lots of people have been really nice and just done lots of like really amazing things for us, like run marathons and... I would want to say something also for all the people who supported Skatepal through the life of Skatepal. Thank you so much. I know it's weird that I'm talking to a microphone right now for you guys, but I mean, you don't know how much love and respect I got for you, all of you, and how much every one of you that helped us grow and actually having skate parks in Palestine just makes everyone there want to be a better person for themselves and you've changed a lot of people's life so now that like be aware of that and that's a great thing to have and thank all of you really deep down inside you thank you <laughs> remember Wallah. just 10 minutes ago when this guy said he didn't know how to work for an ngo <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> You know, that's that's it. Like you're you're on the receiving end of those donations, so it's very it's very real. Like this it's a very clear Exactly like clear line. It really helps, bro. Like they yeah. support like when you see like when when sometimes online and you see charities and everything and you think, Oh it's not but it does really help and it does change if something. it's the right charity, it does. It does, exactly. Yeah. It does, well done. So, uh, so talk a little bit more about the, the, the volunteer experience. So the, volu- um, the volunteers are in, in, in Palestine for a month or eight weeks and they're giving you know, classes at the skate parks for, for five days a week. And so usually from about four till six or seven. Um, and in, in the, for example, Asira, it's, it's not so much as... Uh, formalized classes as much as being there and skating with the kids because the park's been there for about four years now and, and so there is like um a good amount of kids who know how to skate no the kids like yeah they actually are like ripping skaters yeah they're actually good i was skaters. really blown away by that when i visited so it's not like a question of having to teach them how to skate but it's it's just a question of having a a presence there and like just having um other skaters from around the world that the kids in the era can meet and, yeah, and skate with because that's how skate scenes all over the world operate. Usually, is is people like go here and there and and skate um with with each other, 
and that should be the same in Palestine. Mm. It's about providing inspiration and yeah, friendship, essentially. And I think like one one of the ways which, um, or like one of the aspects of this way of sort of helping, as it were, um, which makes it quite um, sort of adaptable um, and work well is, is the fact that you don't have this image of like I'm going to help someone, I'm the helper, and they're the helpy. But you just basically go into like, oh hi, I'm gonna skate with your kid for yeah. like a week and just hang out exactly. and i'm not like teaching him or teaching me because i mean some of the of the kids in asira do teach tricks to some of the volunteers who aren't as good as skating but 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 and overall i mean well. in, in general the whole volunteer experience is is like you're it, there's not a you're you're right there's not a mentor mentee relationship it's it's like mutually beneficial to both parties yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah so when you go and volunteer it's not that you're just helping some kid learn how to skateboard, like you're learning a ton of things about that kid and the village and the place that they live and, and country, about yourself. And what's, and what's happening. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, about the fortune and privilege that you've been given yeah. in life. I, th- I think, I mean, I speak for if, for both Theo and myself when I say like after being in um, over there, um, the, then coming back home, like after the first experience of, of being in Palestine, you kind of like, the way you see life changes because I've just like always been in like quite like a wealthy like uh, city in in Scotland and then you go over to like a different part of the world when things are like not so easy and you're like shit that's that's the way the world is (laughs) like what am I doing like staying in Edinburgh like let's let's go and like like hang out in Palestine and I can be over there and like and and be doing things that that are fun with our friends over there and going like and the way you you see life, it, I think, changes quite a lot to that to, to the point that you kind of feel like, well, I've got like a duty to be doing something good. Sure. Because like we have like such like an easy ride, like being in, in, in Britain, our lives are like really easy and comfortable. We can do like anything. Not to mention, I mean, speaking as an American, it, like our policies like literally directly affect the people who live there, you know, yeah, yeah. so that like you start to think about yeah, that relationship as well. Donald yeah. Trump. <laughs> 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 Yeah. Let's cut that out. I'm not happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Donald Trump. So, yeah. Continue, though. But yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the volunteers, for, for sure, learn just as much, if not more, than the kids at the skate parks. Like, we find the volunteers come back. Like, year after year, people come back and re- like to have the same experience of coming back to Palestine and meeting the kids that they made friends with and skating and like learning about the culture and i think it ignites a real like curiosity and like will to learn in people and that's and that's sort of exemplified exemplified in the ask in, in in the fact that there's now three more other ngos that have been started from from, from people that have been out in palestine going like oh wow i can i can see the, the impact that this has i'll go and start my own thing Shout those out for us real quick. So we've got... Uh, Concrete Jungle Foundation. In Peru and Angola. And then... Women Skate the World. Which is international. And... Free Movement. Free Movement Skateboarding. skateboarding. In, in Athens, which um, is... It, yeah, I'm working with, with their refugees, teaching them skateboarding with a kind of an overall aim of sort of integration. Uh, which are all doing amazing work. Um, yeah. And it kind of inspires us. And it's been kind of quite an honor to be able to be seeing the, these other projects um, happen in sort of conditions which are like even more hectic and like are doing like really good work. Yep. 
um and i think that is the is the benefit which which i got for, uh, for being a volunteer in, in palestine i went there as a volunteer in the beginning and was like oh wow i can see everything that's uh, that's over here i want to kind of get involved again and do something close like there's also like a sweet as hell bumps <laughs> you can bomb a hell for five six seven minutes yeah <laughs> this is and true like the there's a lot of spots also like you can volunteer experience the life see how life is and just be something different just doing something different in your life and i learned a lot outside of your life circle i learned a lot on the hills of palestine i learned yeah. <laughs> i learned about bailing hard down slippery hills and I learned how to power slide. <laughs> and I learned that if you don't learn how to power slide, you get yeah. <laughs> you're in a lot of trouble. Helpful there. Yeah. So I mean, if you if you've if you've made it this far, you're clearly interested in the mission of Skate Pal. Uh, I speak from personal experience. I went there, changed my life, met Aram and Adham, some of the first Shit. skaters. Now I'm in Tunisia with you two, and. Uh, uh, yeah, don't hesitate. I mean, volunteer, get involved, go visit, help in any way you can. I mean, it's it's certainly worth it. All right, thanks so much for joining us today, guys. Um, you know how to support. We're going to put the link in our show notes, and uh, we'll hopefully have some content on our Instagram about Skate Pal. So thanks. Bye. 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 Um, I think one of the things, you know, it's, it's incredibly interesting to listen to Aram speak, like having followed him on Instagram a while ago and, you know, kind of gathering from a distance what SkatePal is about. Um, you know, I, I'm in communication a little bit with Max, um, who volunteered there. So, you know, I, I've gotten a sense kind of, of what the experience is like over there and from following you, of course, Ryan. Um, the thing that was super interesting to me, um, among many things that was really interesting in that long conversation was um, how much pressure there must be on Aram to continue Skate Pal once the founders like hand it over to him. I think that like it's impossible to listen to that conversation without thinking like, oh my God, this is going to be uh, this must be just monumental pressure. Um, and so to hear that and to think about what we were talking about earlier about like, well, you know, there's always something, there's always a thing in skateboarding that is capable of loading it up for you in a way that it either loses its joy or its joy is transformed into something else beyond just pure like recreation and fun. Um, so I really, I'm really, really curious to see what happens with him and what his relationship to skateboarding is like once he kind of is shouldering more of the responsibility. And it could very well be that his relationship to skateboarding gets richer and gets, you know, more nuanced and more meaningful. Um, but that's, I think hearing it at this time, hearing you guys have this conversation at this particular time when he's been away and he's coming back and he's going to have these responsibilities was, was really, really meaningful. That's my response. Yeah. yeah no, it almost functioned like a, uh, not an interview, like a job interview, but it was like this onboarding process right? where you could, you could, you get kind of all of his anxieties in there. Yeah, that's something that I think about a lot, like with um, like Skate Like a Girl, one thing that I related to, um, because, you know, as like a white person, someone that has a lot of like privilege um, based on like my family, my upbringing, like 
having the opportunity to go to college. Uh, my dad was in community organizing. He's like a labor organizer. So like having a lot of that, you know, and then thinking about, you know, am I doing a bad job if I pass the hat or leave the organization or create new leaders of my organization that look just like me? Um, like, is that victory? And like, I don't think it is. It's like, it's important for the new leaders to be more and more representative of like the whole community or at least the community that you're serving. That's the one thing that like, I think is really rad that Skaypal is doing that, like making sure, like, I like the comments that they had about how like, this is in our country and, you know, we don't want to lead this forever, but like also knowing that like, you know, it's important if you're running an organization and you want it to be, you know, run by the community that you're trying to serve or the, you know what I mean? So it doesn't feel like mm -hmm. this weird, like white savior shit or whatever, um, to also keep in mind that like, we need to make sure that the folks that we're giving organizations to responsibilities to feel really good about it. And not to say that it didn't in this case, yeah, really but prepared. yeah, it's something to consider and make sure that like, whatever you're doing is not like some kind of weird like performance or saying what you're supposed to say, but just making sure things like make sense and looking beyond sometimes just like the identity politics or how it can look um, to make sure that like you're actually making a good decision for your NGO or your organization or whatever. Um, so just knowing that there's like nuance, it's not black and white. Like there's a lot of gray there and um, just to consider like how everyone can feel with transitions and leadership of organizations. So. Um, Kristen, to that point, I'm sorry if, if I could if I could say something to that point. I think um, I think I, I, I think that sort of thinking, that sort of understanding of like w what it actually takes to run an organization and recognizing that it's not just. I mean, as somebody who has ambitions sometime in my life to like do something more meaningful with my exposure to skateboarding, I think it's really important for me to hear you speak about that because it's really easy for me to think. Well, mostly what in an NGO is or mostly what any sort of nonprofit body is, is good intention. Um, and I think particularly when we're talking about a region like Palestine and we're talking about something like skateboarding and we all kind of have the faith that we have that skateboarding is this kind of bona fide good. Um, I think it's really important to keep in mind that like just on a logistical level, there's a lot that goes into this and it's not just like, okay, set up, you know, the the if you build it they will come that's that's not always enough um yeah. kevin coster can't do everything no man can't do most things <laughs> uh, come on Waterworld is a great oh movie. that's true it's funny it's funny because i watched the i watched the rick mccrank viceland um episode before mean we sat post radical down. Yeah, 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 on Viceland, the post-radical episode where yeah, yeah. he goes to Oh, Palestine yeah, he goes there, yeah, yeah. And he, and he talks to, does he talk to Charlie? Which one does he talk to? I think he talked to Charlie and yeah. then uh, Mo at Skate Killia. And it's funny because he uses he uses the Field of Dreams quote also. <laughs> he really said that? Yeah, yeah he, that's yeah, he does. says. Yeah, if you build it, they will come. So something's in the water over there. Yeah, it's Kevin Costner. <laughs> I think it's especially and it's, controlled, <laughs> and it's controlled by the Israelis. Uh, it's especially true though of the, the like when you visit the skate park like and how remote the location is like you can't yeah. help but just feel that way and like literally seeing people come from like all over the villages like on foot skateboarding to you know in the way that like if we were to go to the skate park I don't know like you I, it, it, you can't help but but bring that to mind I think. Did we go over uh like 
there, there are some things that I think are important to understand about Skate Pal, which are one that it's an NGO. I don't think most people know what that acronym is. Non-government uh, organization. Yeah, which and, is basically a nonprofit. Which, yeah, and so, but that makes it different. Like they're not doing, yeah, they're not doing government work. They're basically like a business or. Uh, I think it just means it's not funded like through the government. It's like a, it's just like a nonprofit, but I use the uh, word yeah, it's NGO. it's not like the Peace Corps or anything. It's like, yeah. Yeah, I would I would consider it something kind of more like, say, Skatistan, where like they have an office in Berlin, you know, or they have multiple different countries that they're serving. Like that to me seems like the definition of an NGO versus like a nonprofit's more like domestic. Yeah, and and and. And and there's a, an important part of not only their output but their their design mission um, is that they they actually are an apolitical NGO like there is no um, like if you if you read anything that they put out or right. if you listen to Charlie or Theo talk about it they will not tell you um, that you know Israel is immoral the policies are. Uh, you know, basically have put in place like an apartheid state or anything like that. They will, they say that they are here strictly to grow uh, the practice of skateboarding and right. to build skate parks. Like they, uh, they, they don't take any official positions on sort of the, what are sort of the, uh, I don't really know the glaring well, that's, problems. That's of, because in the UK and the U S we have this practice of conflating Zionism with Judaism and so they do get a lot of funding in the UK and because that's where they're based out of and so to I don't know to to risk that is and, and also like well, you risk access as yeah, well you risk access as well because yeah, like, like they could just not let him back in the yes, country literally the only way to get into the West Bank is flying to Tel Aviv or through Amman Jordan yeah. and that is a longer process than even going through Tel Aviv and um, from what I've heard is even more difficult so yeah, I mean, also like just ex their existence is like a radical act. Like, yeah, right. That's like a political statement. Yes, it is. No, so that's like, that's yeah. right. And, um, and going and visiting and just like literally telling people at the airport that you're going to skateboard in the West Bank, like they will look at you funny. And well, to yeah. create I mean, something they, for you, people call our shit though, right? right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we just had a one of our skate after school volunteers, Ben, is there now, and by the time he got to San Francisco. He was put in secondary screening with a Palestinian family and questioned, interrogated in like a very um, accusing manner. And he was really scared because he's actually never even left the country. Right. And he just was a little freaked out, obviously. And, you know, he was like, yeah, the one Palestinian family that's on our flight also got pulled in for secondary. That's just a random stop and frisk, though. <laughs> yeah. like, it's just, you know, and, 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 you know, they ask you these questions. That's routine, baby. They ask you these questions of like, what there's no skateboarding in the West Bank, or right. like if you right. if you're going skateboarding, like where are your skateboards at? And he's thinking, uh, well, I check them because I'm yep. not <laughs> traveling halfway across the world with my skateboards on me. Um, and so Samurai never leaves his sword, man. <laughs> Mistake number one. Yeah, and then the process of leaving is the same way. You know, if you tell them that you've been to the West Bank, they put you through often secondary screening and. Um, at the airport in Tel Aviv. Um, so. I guess, yeah, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. I guess the question I was asking more, though, are, is are people, are Palestinians suspicious at all? Like, is there any thought that, like, oh, this must be tied to some sort of missionary work or this must be tied to some sort of arm of some sort of organization? Or is, is, the, is the reception 
because what I see is a, a whole bunch of really stoked kids. Um, it, do, do you feel anything over there at all that isn't like purely, yeah, this is good, this is rad? Yeah, I'm going to preface this with like, I'm not the person to be answering these sure, questions, sure, obviously, sure, but sure. since you're throwing them at me, um, I'll do my best to amplify the voices of people who live there. Um, but from what I've heard, you know, there is a huge problem with the kind of what they term the NGOification of the West Bank, which is that there's a lot of money coming in. A lot of it's being squandered, you know, but the problem is, is that they don't have any sort of way to sustain themselves because they're un under such an economic stranglehold that, you know, building skate parks, starting after school programs, even building it, it, whatever, there's tons of NGOs out there. Like if you go to a bar in Ramallah, you'll meet people from all over the world because there's it, it kind of, uh, it brings together a certain type of person, you know? And yeah. so, uh, but it's oddly disorienting. It can feel like a strangely like, almost like a New York type experience where you're right. just with people from all over the world who are young and all doing NGO work. Um, right. But I think that that is a point of frustration, which is like, hey, like we don't need NGOs or outside money. We need to just be able to sustain ourselves right. and have autonomy, which is the thing that they don't have. And right. without autonomy, they're, they're you know, yeah, it's limited. Growth this, is limited. This um, kind of like pushes to a, a question that's nagging with me, which is like, I can be like, oh, well, skateboarding is rad. And like, you know, we need to like kind of, this is a sort of like, in some ways, an apolitical, apolitical activity that we can share with like almost any culture and like any culture anyone can participate in. But then the reality of um, like when I, interviewed Amber Edmonton, I think her last name is Amber May, uh, her, she was talking about how like, you know, these are like young women that she's, she's like spending a lot of time with, like, like they're gonna, like they're starting skating with some that like are really into it that show up every day. But there are certain restrictions both within uh, Palestine and then imposed upon like Palestinian people that um, may prevent skateboarding to kind of like take root in a way that it has so easily done in the West to, for lack of, to completely be reductive of that. Yeah. And I'm, and or, I'm, and, and I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like, Oh, this is all wasted effort. Cause I don't think it is at all. I think it's fucking amazing, but I just wonder kind of like, I think this touches on that same kind of limitation of like, well, what are these NGOs? What can they actually do in the long term? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, I don't know if you talked about this when I stepped away for a second, but uh, what the fuck can you do without a shop? Like, yeah. how the fuck can you re-up? The only way is through donations that way, and that is an unsustainable. That's, you know, so it's like... Yeah, when literally everything is being carried in, on, like, on a bus, for, yeah. like, through a flight, it's, yeah, it makes everything pretty limited, and... I think that that speaks to the larger issue, which is, the, again, back to the autonomy, which is, you know, a lot of people I've talked to from coming back here, um, you know, they have these kind of like rose colored glasses of like, oh, skateboarding will like unite the Israelis and the Palestinians. Like they'll all grow up with this shared love of skateboarding and learn to not hate each other. And that's really great and all. But the truth of the matter is like the 
like one government has total power and control over the other. You don't yeah. let that go to let people skateboard together because they love it. Yeah, and and also like as Aram pointed out, like he can't even go into Israel to go skateboard or like right? he can't go to Gaza either. Yeah, which he, is yeah, the, he can't insane. go to Gaza yeah. or go to Tel Aviv to go skateboard. And yeah. similarly, it's it's I think exceedingly tough for the Israelis to go to the other side. And so, yeah, I mean, you can talk all you want about growing skateboarding in Palestine, but uh, again, without like being able to like import skateboards, it's going to be really, really, uh, you know, it's a really uphill battle. But it also, I mean, yes. And it's also an incredibly important reminder of what an actual skate park means. Uh, you know, for those of us who didn't grow up with skate parks and are suspicious of them and can like say like, Oh man, skate park footage is, is whack. There's no sense of death perception. There are no shadows, oh, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like here is, is the, absolute counter argument which is like <laughs> in a place where there is no pavement and in a place where there are yeah. hills aplenty but you know no possible way to go down them on wheels like this is this is the most hopeful and optimistic and potentially radical act that that could be yeah. and you can't yeah, know yeah. what it's going to do you can't yeah. know where it's going to go but if you don't plant that seed then you're just absolutely assuring that nothing will happen I mean, honestly, I learned this from Amber and from, or rather, I credit Amber and like what she shared with me and her experience uh, about this. And this is someone who had like skated from like 10 to 14, quit for a decade and then, or maybe even longer and then got back into it and then just was like all about it. Um, but I think if like, I've been thinking a lot about all of you because you're the people oh, I talk thank to. You. You're the people I talk to the most about skateboarding in life, and you all are very much involved in important things that I and I and I think that like for each of us, skateboarding serves this like really radiant and effective way to access as adults like what's most important to us. Yeah. Um, and without skateboarding, we probably wouldn't be able to we wouldn't know that in the same way um and so with amber the way that i understood it and i don't want to speak for her but she was talking about this kind of freedom and this joy and this fearlessness that she felt skateboarding as a, you know a 12 year old and that you know one of her main motivations for being a volunteer at free movement and at uh skate pal and I, I, I think she ranks much higher than just a volunteer, but like, you know, uh, was to share that and to give the other skateboarders an opportunity to kind of experience that. And we don't ever know. I mean, skateboarding is kind of like the most pointless thing you could possibly do in a situation like that. But yeah. it's also like the only thing that you can do in a situation like that in some ways, you know? Life happens no matter what. And... You know, I it's um, it would be amazing if if organizations like Skate Pal and Free Movement and and, and Skate and all these things like you could look back ten years, twenty years later, and be like, well, this like you know, like this was a factor in this like massive political shift. But I think the the most important thing, and which to me like really crystallized about what's rad about skateboarding, is that 
it's not it's it's literally about like finding this common ground and this kinship and like sharing this like kind of thrill and joy that uh drew us all to skateboarding or something yeah i think about this a lot um more in a context of like grant writing for skate like a girl i've thought about it a lot like there's been times where i've been like damn like i'm applying for this united way grant or this like city funding and you know i'm not like helping kids like find shelter or get fed or get shoes or clothes like what's the point of like my organization and all this and um, I had a deep conversation with somebody once. I don't remember who it was, but we kind of came to the conclusion that like, why is it only kids that have the means of everything else that get to experience something like skateboarding? Like mm -hmm. why, you know, why not? Like, why can't those kids have the same escape, especially kids that have trauma? Yeah. Like skateboarding mm -hmm. is an incredibly yeah. powerful tool for getting through trauma to focus on something that's so meaningless, that's physical, but it's artistic, it's community, but it's individual. Um, yeah. There is so much... Um, I think that's why we're all obsessed with it and why we you know are talking about it for three hours every other week you know um <laughs> yeah there's something there right like this is our escape our departure from reality and our bills and our bullshit and our pro careers or our nine to fives you know like and i think everyone well it's has not the a right. departure from my pro career but <laughs> <laughs> well i just mean like when you go skate for fun ryan like when you're yeah, actually skating for happen. fun yeah, mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, whatever we're giving him a little too much credit here <laughs> i don't but, know yeah yeah no you're right i mean like I think it's like an I, escape in a lot of ways. And like, why is it? Yeah. Why can't those my, kids have it too? I mean, my real passion I think it's is really food powerful. running. Right. But, um, <laughs> but I, I can kind of like, I, I said my, my real passion in life is food running. <laughs> I can kind of see how. Like, no, I think, um, so I don't know about you all, but sometimes I get sad. And, uh, and, and a big part of that actually is um, a huge part. The main part all of it uh, comes from this idea that, like, dude, I've got, like, fuck, I got everything you could ever have wanted to come from, like, every opportunity in the world. Um, and I and I have a hard time figuring out what is what is valuable, what is meaningful, what is worth my time, uh, and, and, like, what kind of pays dividends on, on the investment that, you know, that I give to it. Parking cars certainly doesn't. Like, I don't feel, you know... Uh, any elation, joy, purpose, uh, satisfaction from it. But, um, and, and so, so part of my issue is that like, I'm like, dude, what's I've the fucking only thing that like really hits me in my gut and that, that connects me with what I think is like a kind of, um, you know, transcendent experience is this thing of skateboarding. And, and I'm constantly like, fuck dude, that's such like a suburban, it's like such a privilege, like such a fucking dumbass thing. Um, but then to hear, Aram talk about it and and to say that you know to, to put well, one of the things sorry sorry to kind of venture one more time but one of the things that that happens is like dude I honestly feel this way like and I feel like a fucking I feel like a fucking Barney when I say this shit but it's like dude yeah like skating is the only fucking thing that matters like I fucking believe it it it's the only thing that's like in my heart in my stomach like I mean I like taking pictures and I like making music but that but you know if you if I had to cut everything out you know and sk skating you know assuming the social part that goes with it it's fucking the only thing that's like deep down in there I inside of me and and you sound like a Barney if you're like, dude, f you know, fucking skate or get the fuck out, you know? Um, but he, but he, if I could interject, you're like, I'm sorry, but you're 
even sounding like a Barney, that is like humbling yourself because uh, I I heard those dudes say the same thing and I fucking, I'm on the verge of tears hearing you say this because yeah. like, and like that that weird earnestness that like resonates probably like with everyone here and everyone that like is going to hear you say that, like that is a, weirdly enough the thing that's like the most important thing about skateboarding is like... Yeah. It's like so it just levels everything and it's like it's hard to put into words. Yeah, to right. hear Aram say you live and you die and you skate. Yeah. Like yeah, to, yeah. to come from yeah. that position yeah. like you know cuz I yeah, exactly. Like it is leveling. Like it makes yeah. me feel like fuck, okay, <laughs> like it like if if it's that vehicle for for him to to connect with to, as as an escape as if he's connected to it in in that position and not to not to not to be pitying about it but it's like my life is a life of just absolute privilege compared to the your kind of typical palestinians just at least in material life um i have so much and um and it is just like i don't know if it's humbling it's validating it's something that can kind of quash that confusion about how much importance I should be putting into skateboarding as a vehicle for meaning, um, or as a vehicle for <laughs> how to feel like I love living. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, again, just to echo everything that everyone said, uh, you know, like I have, I met Malik, the, the young girl that the young teenage girl that they spoke about in the interview and have, I keep up with her on Instagram and, and talk with her regularly. And, I literally, you know, you told me that story about Amber uh, bombing the hill and I have this video saved of Malik skating. I'll try to show you guys, but she's skating down the hill at nighttime and it's in black and white and her dad is filming it and it says, captioned, I like that feeling when the street is empty. It gives some power. Oh. And it's like, oh, literally oh, just like, it. she's one of the only girls skating in her area, hands her phone to her dad and just, yeah, I, it just makes you fucking cry, man. Like, and and the, like, probably each of us remembers that same feeling too. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I was in like South America for nine months when I was six years old or whatever. And I remember one thing vividly, and that was the first time I stepped on a skateboard and the feeling of like tiles under my like wheels, you know, like, yeah, I kind of can picture everywhere else, but like that one feeling of like rolling and whatever that is, because it's like sonic too, you know, it's like you, you, it's like vibration. It's like, it's amplified and it's, you're like on this like weird, awesome, fun drum and like. I can recall that right now. And I'm thinking of like, when you mentioned that, that girl and her skate father filming her or whatever, like, yeah, it's fuck. It's, I don't know. I mean, there probably is nothing more important than that. Well, on that note, should we burn Thanks it down? Thanks for that interview, Ryan. Yeah. I'm glad we had yeah. it. Yeah. Let's yes. destroy some shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, Since we left I this thing so first. much. My, my, mine's sort of a transition. Um, can I go first? Is that okay with folks? Yeah. One of the other things that stood out to me uh, was hearing Aram speak about his relationship to home, right? Because he's been in uh, Tunis for as long as he has been. Um, and it, it made me think a lot about uh, a thing I've been thinking about a lot with border issues coming up 
um, questions about migration as our relationship to place. Um, I'm not super into the author Milan Kundera, but I think he writes about exile very, very well. And so a lot of this stuff is just kind of swirling through my head. And I do have a point here. And it's that um, the thing that I would like to have less of, and I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to say burn it down, um, but the thing I would sure think we could take a fucking break from um, is packing a team into an enclosed metal tube and sending them all to Shanghai and being like, okay, guys, or okay, everyone, let's skate and let's have an incredible relationship to this city of marble. Like what I want so much more of is seeing an individual's relationship to a place, um, seeing skaters who have uh, some sort of sense of history in the hill that they're rolling down, who have some sort of longing behind their desire to finally hit this stair set that they've been staring at for the last 15 years on their way to fucking piano lessons or whatever. Like I am, I am so, when you watch the Shanghai footage, you can just feel the like strategy rippling out of the video. You can feel the like, we gotta be productive. It just doesn't in any way feel to me like a person's relationship to a space. Um, And it, you know, it's a large reason why a lot of these big budget videos feel so incredibly dead. And I'm just kind of done with it. Mm. Yes. Um, Localism, you're going back to. Yeah, I like that. I mean, look, there's <laughs> at least like uh, occupation, uh, like like Scene. some sort of, rela- you know, I mean, I'm not, I don't have a problem with the, you know, the quarter snacks sort of like the New York summer clip. Like at yeah. least then you're sort of in a city, you're engaging with the city. But the thing about Shanghai is that, and everyone you hear speak of their experience there, it's like, one of the reasons it's so productive there is because there's not a lot else to do. Like skaters are well-trained there. They go back to the hotel. They don't go out drinking in Shanghai. And it's like, well, Jesus, this is, this isn't living and skating. Yeah. No, no. And there's something, there's something to be said for like seeing someone skate like their home spot and like, like they have all the lines wired and it's not so much about the obstacle. It's about like how comfortable they are there. You know, Nick Matthews, Chicago in, Yes. Knows that this was city. Fucking great. Stoked on this city. Yeah, yeah. I mean, between Nick Matthews and Brett Weinstein, Chicago right now has a couple of hometown heroes um, that are just particularly Chicago and like little grumpy ass little kids who turned into these rippers and you just can't hate them. Like, that's the Chicago thing. Like, you hate everything until you're like, oops, I can't hate Nick Matthews. I can't, <laughs> I can't hit, hate Brett Weinstein. These kids are great. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And by the time you don't That's hate right. them, they don't hate you back. So it's like, all right, now I'm friends with Nick Matthews somehow. So yeah. 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 <laughs> back at it. I think too, like you know, because the skate witches do this tra- these travel pieces, and Atlantic Drift does the travel pieces, and yep. to go back to the relationship with the filmer, like that comes from a place of like, hey, we're all friends. Let's go yep. on a vacation together and yep. experience the city, and yeah. we're gonna hang out, or we're gonna skate with locals, and the, culture. the whole way. Yeah, the culture and that just plays out at such a different it's such a different way than like the way that most skate trips that are produced by big companies yep. happens that yeah. yeah you you get that magic like it yeah. comes it comes through yeah it's not yeah. traveling i'm against it's yeah. it's the kind of manufacture of like all right turn the crank here's your ledge here's the ledge down this super mellow 15 set of stairs. You better flip in and flip. It's just like, it's fucking yeah. dead. It's like, you better lock in and go it, down. Yeah, it's, pitch it. It's, it's, chi- <laughs> it's China footage you're against. No, I'm just kidding. 
Yeah. Also, they all come back saying Shanghai, like, fuck off. Like, (laughs) 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 fucking come back with your, like, one syllable of, like, Mandarin pronunciation. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) Also, it'd be cool if, like, teams did more stuff in, like, the locations, especially if they were, like, countries that, like, are developing or whatever the best way is to say that. I'm not sure, but I don't know. Like, I was... Ryan mentioned like the skate which is at it and we did a lot of stuff like really intentionally to like support Cuban skating like in- included like Sinei who's like a local like Cuban shredder yeah same with like when we went to Malmo like I wasn't on that trip but Shari was a part of like Skate Malmo which is like a street skating kind of contest thing they did included a lot of locals yeah. in the footage and stuff like that yeah. I just kind of like maybe that's what made it more interesting but I'm yeah. not exactly sure but it would be cool if it didn't feel as much like we're coming in we're gonna skate your marble and we're gonna leave Right. Yeah. Um, cause it's just a little bit boring at a certain point. And then also like if you think, if you like compare it to maybe like the GX video, like the biggest difference is like, you knew that like, you know, not all those dudes are from like the SF or anything like that, but no, you knew no, that no. they lived there and that they were like eyeing that one fucked up gap thing or like ledge mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. super tall. They were eyeing it forever, you know? Yeah. Whereas like you yeah. go to China to like check off the box of like that one tech trick you have at the skate park and now it's like just barely street skating. So yeah. to me, yes. it's that's yes. almost like the um, very comparative to like uh, TB's argument earlier about um, uh, like just the transition skating and how it's like cheap if it's at the skate park. Like, it's kind of cheap if it's at a perfect spot, it, right? Yeah. It kind of feels like that. Yeah, yeah. We have a we have a spot out here that's a at a fucking U-Haul or something. I don't even know. I'd never been to the business. I refuse to go there. It is a fucking <laughs> angle iron ledge. It's fucking twelve inches high, seventy five feet fucking long, and it's waxed to shit. And people are like, "Yeah, let's go street skating." It's forty five minutes away, and I'm like, "Fuck off!" That ledge is at the skate park. <laughs> That's like, exactly how I feel. I am like, that is not street skating. Yeah. Or GoDaddy. Yes. Uh, oh, dude, go well. Go GoDaddy literally built a skate park for their employees yeah. and people that you go get there, kicked out of. That you get kicked out of and people go there to street skate. And I'm like, there's a pyramid here. That's not street skating. And your footage looks like it's skate park footage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like the LA bit. courthouse too. Not really a spot. Yeah, not a yeah, spot. Yeah, yeah. Not a spot. And um, not a spot. You heard it here first, folks. So yeah, <laughs> you you good there? Yeah, I just park. spilled uh, wasabi peas all over my house. But it's cool. <laughs> this is the... Fuck, it's coming off at the wheels right now. I'm Ted's about really to fall hard. asleep. All right, Ted, all right. Ted Barrow, Chris, what's yours? Um, like differentiating like the world, the culture of skateboarding from the act of skateboarding. Oh, you, you wait, what? Damn, you're getting deep fuck? today. You want to you want to burn one, down one. the differentiation? I mean, like. What we're talking about is super important, but um, I think, but like, yeah, like I had. Yeah, I'm I, about to focus my computer. <laughs> I had someone like, all right, I'll just put it like this. And this, it goes from like being kind of broad and truthful to like really petty. Like some dude like started arguing with me on Instagram the other day, yesterday. And he was like, skateboarding is amazing, isn't it? Like I, I like sent one thing and now I'm arguing with some old dude across the country, across the world. And I was like, that's not skateboarding. That's just like the other shitty thing about life <laughs> that oh, isn't skateboarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, so like, I think it's so important to everything that we've been talking about to like kind of filter our concerns as human beings like through skateboarding. But none of that shit matters compared to skateboarding. 
Yeah. And, and like, I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like, let's not talk about it, but I'm just saying like, let's please differentiate and maintain and understand that difference between culture, activity, topics, politics, and like, like rolling. I don't know. Like, yeah. And I'm not like, I'm not saying like it's pointless, but I'm just saying like, please let's be mindful of when we're talking about skateboarding, the moment you get on a skateboard and you're sharing space with another skateboarder, you're doing something that has like transcends all of the other shit. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. I, 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 I was just like, I mean, everyone on skate Twitter today has been engaged in this sort of, I think to most people frustrating, but for me, I'm like at a valet podium, like, Hey, I get to talk a little shit. <laughs> uh, and it's been, it's been, um, it's been a point of mine to say like, dude, s- skating for me is actually not just like, I don't want skateboarding to be turned into something like a treadmill. Like, I don't want it to be simply the physical act, you know? Whereas I think we do have like a vocabulary yeah. and an imagination included in the act of skateboarding. I actually want like sort of cultural boundaries around it to have a type of vision, to have, you know, references, something that signals a shared reality that that makes community, has values. Oh, I, I um, care. I, I completely um, think all those things are super, I mean, those are pretty much that those boundaries are the world in which I inhabit. But I just mean that like, um, let's please be careful when we're thinking about like, I don't know, like every time I see someone who's different than me, like I will be like, oh, like this is so cool that we're together. And like, you know, like we share this thing. And then the moment we start skateboarding together, I don't think about that anymore. And I think that's the, the coolest thing. You know, and, yeah. and it, it it also offers us the culture of it, and like the, the other sort of thing, nucleus, yeah, yeah. the The other thing offers us offers us this incredibly rich world, which is great, and I don't think we should reject that. But let's just please, in my opinion, uh, consider that this is these are two very separate acts, and um, should be honored in that way. I don't know. No, I think you're right. I'm old and rambling. It's fucking two in the morning for me. Um. All right. So, uh, mine. I just the term female skateboarding just needs to go. Yeah. For a variety of reasons, I don't think it. Well, let me just read you a definition. So, if you mean when you say female skateboarding, you mean to say people that skateboard that of are denoting the sex that can bear offspring or produce eggs distinguished biologically by production of gametes ova which can be fertilized by male gametes if that's not what you mean or a female person animal or plant if that's <laughs> not phys- like if you're not talking about like things that have vaginas or whatever like just don't use that term like if you want to talk about like non-male skateboarding like broadly that's like you know like women trans people like all that like yeah. I don't know. Just like female is a biological word. Like I get that sure. people are trying to say that, but just in general, the binary sucks and is really like exclusive um, to like gender non-conforming people, non-binary people. So like I see a lot of times people are trying to like hype up the fact that there's like a lot of more like women skating or like non-dude skaters. And like, that's really awesome and positive. Um, and I really hope that this just comes as an invitation to try out some new vocabulary. That's a little bit more inclusive. Um, yeah. Chris, uh, Kristen, can you can you <coughs> can you give me if I'm if I'm if I'm Joe six pack and I get 
to the park. Are you buff or do you drink? <laughs> yeah. What six be, pack are we talking both. about? <laughs> you could be both. Like so, what? So there are a lot of there are a lot of dudes out there um, who I know factually are like find themselves in this new era sensitive to the fact that their words matter in ways that they weren't sensitive to before and might think that female is a safe word to use, right? Like, well, no, female is good because it's respectful because it's not girl. Um, Mm -hmm. So can you help those individuals out with like, okay, look, you just showed us in a very convincing way why female feels um, really clinical and dehumanizing in some key ways and also is just deeply rooted in a binary we might want to be moving away from. So what what are some other terms? Like help help out Jimmy Tupac. Damn, he just uh, got really weak really fast. Yeah, he's, he's a kid. Or he drank a bunch of beer. Yeah. Um. So just full disclosure, like, I think it only was like maybe three years ago that like Wheels of Fortune, the full name used to be Wheels of Fortune Female Skateboarding Showcase. And yeah. we had that name for like maybe the first six or seven years. And then finally, like we had changed it just based off of feedback from our community. So just wanted to say that, that, yeah. you know, that was my personal experience. I thought female was a great word until I really right. like actually looked at the definition. So right. just want people to know that. Um, some terms that I like to use is like women. Um, sometimes, you know, if I'm like spelling it out, like women with like an X is like a pretty obvious way to say that like it's like an inclusive version of the word women Um, but what's even better is just saying like women and trans or women transgender non-conforming um non-cis men and cis is short for cisgender um and you can go ahead and google that on your own time but um yeah so (laughs) those are kind of some suggestions um i usually just err on the side of like women and trans folks yeah yeah um it's definitely better than girls and chicks and yeah you know she redders or like i don't know like it's, um, you know, like I'm like a cis straight woman, but I also just like really hate being called like lady or like ladies or like yeah. girls or anything like that. That's like feminine. So just like understanding yeah. that like your intention is like to make someone feel like included or like seen. Um, but like also for me, if I'm like the only woman at the skate park, like being seen like doesn't really feel good. Like right. make me feel right. like I fit in. Um, doesn't mean to be like, yo, what's up, bro? Like blah, 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 you know, but. Um, sometimes it does feel a little bit like there's like a spotlight on you that's not yeah, um, yeah. necessarily needed. So my last point was just to say that like if you don't need to call out the fact that we're like women, like you really just don't. So like if you liked that I just did a Nolly and Redheel flip over a hip, you don't have to be like, damn, never seen a girl do that. I've never seen a woman do that. Um, you could just be like, hey, that was really sick. <laughs> so yeah, like yeah. check yourself. Like if you don't need to like call out my gender, my presentation or whatever like just don't um not to be like all lives matter all skaters you know because you know there is a lot of my identity that's tied to like my gender and presentation and stuff um but yeah if if you don't if you don't need to talk about it um just call me a skater just say my trick was cool don't need to like tie in my orientation or whatever so awesome thank you all right fucking guy like I'm I'm like sensitive, you know, like because I try to make things in skating, I try to make them good, I try to make them funny. I try to think, you know, on my best days that I'm not like the ugliest person in the world. Uh, but fucking Jacob Elliot Harris needs to fucking go, dude. <laughs> this guy, this guy makes the best videos. That he does. He wrote this piece on Greece that was so fucking good. Such an incredible piece of skate writing. And I know I've never fucking seen him, but I bet you he's hot. 
and I cannot <laughs> stand this fucking guy. Like my ego, my just my sense of self, I can't handle him anymore. I'm fucking like every time an Atlantic drift and it comes out, I'm like, cool, fucking perfect. Spots were awesome. Oh, and you have a conscious about like being a skate tourist in a in like a country where the economy is collapsing, and you're wondering like if you're actually doing the cab driver a favor who's a doctor. Like you're conscientious, you're fucking talented. And the thing is that I keep coming back to, I bet he's fucking hot. And I'm yeah. not cool. So yeah. you're, you're, you're funeral pairing your insecurity? Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. He's, no. he's, no. he's ridding the world for that. of one of the most threatening men out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, like, yeah, too skilled, I, too talented. Dude, just get into advertising. You're going to thrive. You've got yeah. the... <laughs> just co come on. He is in advertising now, though. Yeah. Is he? Yeah, well, Atlantic Drift well, is a brand. Yeah, well, just... No, just take yes. it. Just take it a degree removed from me because it's like... I'm sure that his love for skateboarding is more pure than mine. Like I just <laughs> definitely, fucking, definitely. He's, he's better at fucking, everything than, all, than us. Yes. Yeah. So that's just it. Like I, I was like rereading, you know, looking at the photos, rereading the shit uh, from Greece the other day, and I was like, "Fuck off, man!" <laughs> like suck some. That's it. I mean, I agree. I agree completely. You know, there are there are there are Dubliners people, and then there are um, you Dang know, people. Finnegan's Wake people. Oh, and yeah, Jacob fuck Harris Finnegan's is a fucking Finnegan's Wake reader. Yeah, you could just tell. And like first try, yeah. he's like, yeah. "Oh yeah, I pretty much get it. Not, <laughs> I get it. Yes, yes. Not, not bad." He was yeah. like, that, that "His Joycean take. That I was get good it. in ninth grade. Yeah, yeah, not bad. So, yeah, and and he has like a like an easier access to Joyce as well because of proximity. Like, yeah. fuck off. Yeah, no, 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 everything's wrong about him. I agree. Ted, I, I've never it. agreed with you more. <laughs> Ryan? So, wrestling, it's kind of like skating. Ryan, what's yours? All right, we're running damn near, I don't know, three, four hours. I'm going to keep this brief because everyone went deep. We have six minutes left. Longback Smith on a ledge. Ooh, don't do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Flat oh, sorry to be pe petty. Uh, so, we got to get yeah, petty. My, yeah, my belief is that backsmith is kind of like a slash trick, and when you get into it, you need to continually dip it and dip it and dip it yeah. until you pop out. Yeah. And if you're doing it on a long Carol. ledge and you're sitting yeah. on it, it's not a backsmith. I don't know what it is. It's a weird 50-50 with the truck down, but yeah. it's not a backsmith. Totally. Yeah, yeah. You reach you reach full extension with the dip. You don't need to lock in. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. And there's like a there's like a with speed there is a certain distance that a backsmith can go, and it can't go any further than that because it's going to need to continue dipping. Yeah, that's that's actually really that's that's nice. Yeah. But if it's low enough, you're allowed to let your nose uh, snowplow the ground, <laughs> and you can take that as long as you fucking want, as long as you. As long as you force feed that fucking concrete to the nose, that's totally cool. That is that is skateboarding foie gras right there. Honestly, also, locking into most tricks is kind of corny. Agreed. Like, yeah. Like sitting on them. And I'm a sitter. So I'm a smash dinker. Yeah, but when I see Tiago <laughs> switch back tail like plus twenty feet or no. switch flip back tail. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. He's we next for me, man. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I, I think I think this might no change offense, Ted. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> Okay, so do trick challenge or what? Yes, trick challenge. Ted Barrow, you're you're calling it. Switch what is it? Switch frontside flip. I knew you were gonna fucking oh! say that. I had a fucking dream last night that I was <laughs> like, oh, you know what? I bet that motherfucker's gonna I, say I, switch frontside I, flip. Fuck because you. Because I think I 
Hold on. I think I think I think we're all gonna land it, but I think we're gonna all have like really interesting ways of landing it. I yeah. think Wait. you are going to see the. I worst need to one. clarify <laughs> something. Yes. How slippery can the ground be? Oh, Super good. Slippery. so slick. Good, good. good. Ice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Any how any way is the only way. Like ho- hockey, like um, what is that? Like roller hockey rink slick. It can be over it. Because mine. It can be downstairs. <laughs> it, can, it can be like four wheels on the floor, one eighty. Like however you do it. I mean, I as would, long as double dribbles how, are game, I'm in. I would like to <laughs> yeah. point mine out somehow, that... Go ahead, Chris. Oh, mine somehow look like a nollie backside flip. Yeah. Backwards. Down, <laughs> down. Describe yeah, yeah, yeah. it, but it looks yeah, like it, shit. It, it, can be, it can be switched muscat. It doesn't it can front be side like... flip. It stays in its own. Oh, wait. It, yeah, can, yeah. it can fold, Ted? We it, can fold it? Hell, yeah. It, it, does, it doesn't do this. It doesn't even have yeah. to flip. It's just this. Like It, can, it, can, it just goes it back can, behind me somehow. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It can, it can, it can like, credit card. It can, like... Vertical pirouette. It can like Mike Carroll. <laughs> They're illusions, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I just, I just think that that's a fun. That's a fun one because it's like a generational trick. Like we're all gonna do it kind of different. I would like to point out no. just, just one more time, and I hate to sound like uh, a, a, a broken record here, but I've never done this trick just for the, just well, for everyone's record. You've not done never, all the regular 180 kind of flips. Never done this trick. You're gonna, you're gonna do it. You'll How do have it. you never done it? What do you mean? just started switch flipping like two weeks I ago. Started, I just learned switch flips. I just learned to push really? switch. I, I started skating in 1989. I don't know how to do these things. Hmm. Well, right. wait. you what? have two weeks? That though? makes no sense. Not it's only late. do Yeah, okay. Good night. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Should we? Thank you all. Good night, yeah, guys. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Good night, friends. All right. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> All the music in this episode, except for the intro, was provided by the incredible Ilana Brine. You can find more of her music at Bandcamp, Naive Tracks, T-R-A-X, dot bandcamp.com, or you can find her on Instagram at Ilana.Brine, I-L-A-N-A dot B-R-Y-N-E. Check her out, support. If you like the music, get more. Get more.